The thoughts, views, and opinions expressed by us are our own and do not reflect the views of our parents, co-workers, employers, family, or friends. While our goal is to engage in thoughtful conversations, we also want to have fun and entertain. Maybe get a little toxic. So, for legal and all intents and purposes, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. We hope you enjoy the show. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, comment, and share. We'd really appreciate it. Yes, what up, y'all? What's happening? Man, it's good stuff, man. What's good we stuff? Got disclaimer. Y'all, y'all notice I got the logo with the disclaimer now? You know, so we do yeah, a big thing, too. man. It was looking nice. It was looking nice. I like yeah. it. <laughs> Towards the end of the list, you know what I realize? We rarely tell people to like, subscribe, and follow. You know what I'm saying? Like us doing it. It's one thing to have the channel doing man. it. Huh? It's a like, subscribe, follow. Yeah. Bam. Yeah. I'm going to get a t-shirt. It says like, subscribe, and follow. It says like, subscribe, and follow. <laughs> they got a little uh, graphics and stuff. We need a, a graphics package or something, right? Because, yeah, you know, we're growing a little bit, but we could certainly be growing faster. You know what I'm saying? Well, we're, we're like in the middle of talking, right? And it's just, you never know when's a good time to go, yo, like, subscribe, and follow if you like what we're doing right here, you know? So, uh, right. Yeah, but I will, I will say this. Shout out to all the people who organically without being told to do so, who like, subscribe, and follow. We really appreciate y'all for tapping in with us. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. I agree with that 100%. And you know what? If you don't like, then follow. If you don't follow, then subscribe. And shoot. If you've done that, you might as well go and do all three. All three. Tell a friend. Leave comments, as a matter of fact, if you want. We respond. Oh, man, I love the comments. I want all the smoke. You want and all the, the flowers. Smoke. All the smoke <laughs> and the flowers. Come on. Come I haven't on. gotten too much smoke lately, man. After, after the first episode, I'm like, oh, damn. I must be getting mild with it. You know what I'm saying? What's going on? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I know it's going to come after this one. I know it's coming. Oh, uh, yeah. We have some great stuff to talk about today. And, you know, we're going to do like we always do and probably offend some people. So it's going to be all right. I mean, well, make people think is what we got after, right? You know, yep. whenever you challenge people to think, there's going to be a little pushback. Exactly. Well, I don't know about y'all, man. Y'all ready to get this show started? <sighs> Indeed. Yeah, man. But listen, before we do, don't forget to like, subscribe, <laughs> and follow. You dig? Let's get this show started, y'all. Six brutally honest truths about life. Number one, happiness is not about getting all you want. It is about enjoying all you have. Number two, fall in love with the soul, not the face. Number three, the less you care, the happier you will be. Number four, everyone leaves. Learn to survive alone. Number five, if you can stay positive in a negative situation, you win. Number six, train yourself to take nothing personally. Welcome to the Black Lives Chatter podcast. We in the building, y'all. What's good? What's goody? Is that enough energy for you, Jay? Is that enough energy? Is Jay's screen frozen? Or I, just I think like... his screen is frozen. And then the look on his face, though, while it's frozen. 
It's like I mean, a little pleasure. Something. <laughs> Something's happening off camera that Jason's enjoying. He had to get off camera. He had to leave the scene. You did what I'm saying? We started off already. Look at this. <laughs> yeah, already. Already. Um, what up, Best of Them? How you doing, love? Well, you know, it's been a great week. Uh, looking forward to jumping into these topics. It's, I know we got a lot going on in the community and the world. Just a lot. It's I'm just excited. And also love the disclaimer, by the way. I know I said it earlier, but like the logo add to it as well. So, you know, like, subscribe, and follow. Yes. <laughs> Throw it in there. <laughs> we see us, you know what I'm saying? Getting better with the reminders, you know, trying to tap in with the algorithms. Um, my week was good uh, up until yesterday, man. I got really sick or whatever. It was like a maybe a 24-hour thing. I don't know what it was. Um, but I feel much better. So I appreciate y'all for holding it down. And, um, but you know, one of the things that really bothers me, um, I am tired of looking at ass on Instagram. What? I am tired. Yeah, I know it's probably, I know it's random, right? Cause I was thinking about it this week. Whenever you scroll through Instagram, for example, it shows you like people that you've never met before. Right. Or whatever. Or if you go through the, um, what do you call that? The, the explore page or whatever. Right. And all they show me is like women, women in tight dresses, women in tight pants, women in tight like it almost makes it seem like there aren't any regular women out here. All I see are women who are pretend to be uh, fitness models who are just using that as an excuse to bend over and show me their ass. And I am a heterosexual man. I do appreciate seeing beautiful women. But at some point in time, it just kind of gets to be like, I'm trying to play me. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Um, sir, it's your algorithm. I believe you are clicking on those photos to me. No, no, listen. No, listen. I, I made a concerted effort about, I want to say about two years ago. And I was like, you know what? I'm not following people just because they're fine. You know what I'm saying? Now, if they have a personality, they got a job, they have some key interests. I just didn't want to be that guy that was like just following a bunch of women because they're attractive. And even within like my little guy groups, they'll send like videos and I'm the one that's pushing back. Right. It's just I don't know. I feel like it objectifies women, even though they participate in their own objectification. And it's just it's not a good look. I don't know. I, I am tired of seeing it. Instagram, please change my algorithms. I like the motivational shit, I like the business shit, maybe sprinkling some big butts in a smile. But like, I mean, my entire explore page, low key is about these women who are objectifying themselves for social media attention and capital. And I'm just saying, stop it, ladies. You deserve better. You're better than that. Okay. I'm mm. sorry, <laughs> that was stirring right there. I'm just saying, is it just me? It must just be me. Go ahead. Man. It's, it's, it's definitely not me. I don't get naked pictures on my on my timeline. Which timeline are we talking about? Feed. Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I, I get I get some stuff on my Facebook that don't come up on my Instagram and vice versa. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think that, like SNM says, the algorithm at work or whatever. But you know, I also think um, they just shoot stuff at you to see what will stick. Speaking of uh, shooting stuff to see what will stick, oh man, it's been a long week for me. You ready to start it? You ready to get started? No, nah, man, I'm talking about my week, man. That's what I mean. Oh, okay, I'm... I was about to say, I got PTSD from last week. Bro, last week was like, so. <laughs> you know what? Hey, hey, I caught so much flack. Uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I said, well, maybe I'll just slowly ease in this time. No, um, that, you know, the comments were on fire this week. By the way, like I said, we appreciate them, y'all. Keep them coming. Um, we love the interaction. Um, but it's been a rough week for your boy. Um, I've been doing some home renovations and repainting the bedroom. Uh, not this bedroom. We're actually uh, out of town right now on a college trip showing uh, my daughter, showing one of our daughters um, 
some colleges, you know, she's a junior, so we're getting a head start on it. We brought uh, the the genesis of our little polycule family, uh, so we have another family with us or whatever. And uh, one of the daughters in that family is uh, also about to go to college, so a uh, big college trip, whatever. The first one we've taken as a group, it's fun. Uh, lots of long hours, not a lot of sleep. Uh, I can I, I tell you, we drove like ten hours, and I drove like eight of them. Yeah, and I hadn't slept for like two days, so it's been me and the Red Bulls, and we've just been rocking. And uh, one day my kidneys are going to talk about it, but not today. So, uh, uh, I have a question though. What is a polycule? What's a polycule? Uh, <laughs> what you say that word you used? Today's word of the day is polycule. It? <laughs> it's like a molecule? <laughs> it's kind of like a molecule. <laughs> so, so uh, if a molecule is a uh, unit of matter, right, that is made of atoms that are bonded, right, mm-hmm. to create new substances, right, with different properties, then a polycule is a uh, social or communal unit, right, that is made up of different individuals who are mm-hmm. bonding to create different uh, relationship styles that also have different properties and attributes and powers. You know what yes, I mean? Well, thank you for that. Yeah. So today's yeah. word of the day is polycule. I'm going to see if I can add that to the bottom of the screen. <laughs> polycule. Ding. Is it a noun? Is it a noun? <laughs> How do you spell it? P O L Y C U L E. It is a noun. P O L Y. Hold on. P O L Y. What's the rest? C U L E. U L E. Polycule. Polycule. It's a noun that's enforced by a lot of action. Mm. <laughs> it's a noun that <laughs> includes a lot of verbing. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a doing yep. word. <laughs> so everybody, it's an look it up. SNM, you good? You good? Polycule. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> SNM added to the bottom. All right. Today's word of the day is polycule. Polycule. <laughs> yeah, here we go. I'm fun and educational. What can I tell you? That's a pretty professor. Yes. All right, man. Let's get the party started then. You ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jason, you, my brother. What are we starting off today with? What we so, about? yeah. So, we're going to start off kind of like we started off last time, man. I want to talk to y'all a little bit, get real serious. Um, there's been a lot happening. People are shook, shaking up about the current events in the Middle East. I'm seeing all kinds of people talking about, you know, it's the end of the world. It's this, it's that. I hear a lot of sides speaking. Um, I'm feeling some type of way about the way the U.S. is showing up. Like, I don't know if you guys have heard, um, you know, we did send some aid to Israel and we then we also sent some aid to the Palestinian people. Not as much aid as we sent to Israel, but OK. Uh, we, um, you know, Biden has been very vocal. He even flew over there to talk to the people. They were like, you know, we don't want to meet with you. So he said his own thing on a press conference and came back. Um but what's really striking me is we seem to be very polarized, right? What do you, are you guys hearing? Like there was a, a UN vote, and the UN the UN vote was on a resolution to ask for a humanitarian ceasefire to the conflict. Ask that both sides just stop shooting long enough for us to try to sort it out without any more loss of innocent lives, right? These these collateral damage, the bystanders, the citizens who and civilians who are just caught in the mix, right? And the U.S., if I'm understanding correctly, was the only country that was like, no, 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 no. We don't want to. We don't want to back that up. Everybody else, the entire world, 
for the most part, particularly the Security Council on the UN, which makes most of the decisions, was like, yo, let's do this, right? And as a matter of fact, China uh, sponsored it. And the U.S. is like, we can't, we're going to veto this, this, this resolution. Uh, so a couple, so that's, that's the first thing. Like, what do you think about that? Do you, what do you think, is, is the U.S. speaking for us, all of us, or some of us? What do you think? So Anybody? I don't think the U.S. is speaking for none of us, to be honest. Like, it may be speaking for a very few um, people, but it's definitely not speaking for the ma- vast majority. Um, because if it was, the first thing they would have did was agree to the ceasefire. Like, who votes no on a humanitarian effort and why, unless there's something that the U.S. is apparently personally gaining from voting no or and so I find this whole conflict as far as the U.S. involvement unprecedented, mm-hmm. right? We have mm-hmm. so many, so we're already considered the wartime police, right? Apparently, or the the national, the nation's police is what we were called. But are we really the nation's police? Okay, if we're willing to not participate in humanitarian efforts, um, or I don't know, it's just weird to me. I just find it. It makes me almost believe almost every single conspiracy <laughs> theory <laughs> pertaining to Israel and the U.S. and the relationship. Now I'm starting to question and say, hmm, this is looking pretty suspect because you're no longer even trying to hide your hand. That's, wow. Now, what do you there? think? Wait, no, I was going to ask, Nick, what, what do you think about this idea that, that uh, it does seem, it may seem staged, orchestrated? I want to, before you answer, I want to add that, um, even across Europe, there are actual uh, restrictions now on protesting on behalf of the Palestinians. Oh, wow. I said specifically, there are countries, Germany, UK, uh, several other countries that are actually uh, arresting people. In fact, even in the US, uh, there was a protest and some Jewish protesters, mm. humanitarian protesters and Jewish pacifists were at a protest pro-Palestine, like, yo, let's stop the killing. And they got arrested at oh, the wow. Capitol. There have been a, wow. a protest all across the country. So what do you think about this idea that that maybe it's uh we're being marched down a road? Like something instead of things taking their natural course, there's almost like um an intent here. To, to see things to a certain point or to a certain conclusion. Um, so I was watching Bill Maher, <laughs> and uh, there was a guy that was on here. He made a point to point out that Benjamin Netanyahu once said, or the policy of of Israel under his leadership uh, was to empower Hamas, right? It was kind of a really weird logic. It was like, okay, there will never be a Palestinian state as long as Hamas is running things or is empowered. So that was kind of like the position is to empower Hamas because they understood that as long as Hamas existed, the two-state solution with the Palestinian state would never come into fruition, right? And then on top of that, he also mentioned that ben, uh, Netanyahu was, you know, on his way out. You know, there was some issues with him internally, right? And so all mm-hmm. of a sudden, this thing happens, Right. Um, and and the, the dramatic fashion upon which it happened kind of sets up for everything that's happening right now. So when you talk about conspiracy theories, even going back to things like 9-11, I think, you know, there's reasons to question a lot of what's going on. Um, and so for me, I, I try not to come across like I know because there's so many different layers. And I hate when people say, oh, my God, you know, it's just pretty simple. No, it's not simple. There's a lot of stuff going on, even with the whole U.S. blocking the vote. 
I don't know what's going on there. You know what I'm saying? Um, I know that uh, President Biden has talked about this two-state solution, right? I think that's been America's posture for the most part, give or take a few presidents here or there. But could there be other reasons? Was the factor that China was the one that sponsored? I don't know. I can't really speak to why the U.S. did that. It does look bad because there is need for humanitarian aid. And then lastly, I'll say um, there's also been a movement to confuse some things. Hamas is not necessarily representative of Palestinians, right? Are there some Palestinians who support? Maybe, right? Have there been people across the globe who have supported what Hamas has done? Maybe. But that doesn't mean that the individual people, the children, the families who were just living their lives, right? Who unfortunately have effectless leadership when it comes to the Palestinian leadership outside of Hamas. And so now they're paying for that. And the idea of being humanitarian towards them. And if that's a problem, where, like, why you get what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, and so I'll just end by saying United States have already been divided. I think Jay started off by saying, you know, this being divisive. It's like, we look for anything to be divided on, right? We can't just come together and say, yes, what Hamas did was atrocious, right? Yes. We feel for the people of Israel because they were attacked first, whatever, right? Yes. But we can also feel bad for people, kids, families who are suffering for something that they didn't necessarily have anything to do with, except for just where they lived and so on and so forth. So, uh, (laughs) I don't think we do very well with dealing in the gray. Um, and there's a lot of gray here. So I'll just land with that. Um, okay. My last point on it and and love to move on because we got a lot to cover. Uh, is this, uh, I want to encourage everybody to continue to speak out for whatever your views are, but allow the other side to be heard. I think that, you know, when we think of Nazi Germany, right? Mm -hmm. It's so easy to think that all the Germans were on board. And if it weren't for those Germans who actually were vocal and did something different, Schindler's List or whatever, right? It, 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 we, it's in the media, too often uh, politicians make statements about the views or opinions of their country. And it doesn't necessarily reflect it. Unless they want to unanimous vote, it doesn't reflect everybody in their country. Right. When Trump was president, I didn't agree with everything Trump said, but he was president. He would go to the U S this U S that. And I have every right as, as a person residing in this geographical area to go, that does not speak for me. And I think that that is important for us to continue, especially on these platforms we have now, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, let your voice be heard. Uh, continue to, to speak up at, at when when things are said that don't necessarily speak for you. Because I would hate for a conflict that is currently outside of our borders to become a conflict inside of our borders because not enough of us were saying we do know there's a different way for this to be handled. And we don't necessarily toe the line on everything that has already been decided is supposed to be our opinion. So keep your voice, keep it loud. Nick, let's roll. What you got, man? Well, no, actually, I want to pass it to SNM yeah. just in oh. case SNM want to add on to that. And uh, obviously, she'll be leading the next topic. But I do also want to just say this one last little piece, though, too. Coming on the heels of COVID, where everything was being censored, people who did not believe in the main narrative of like the 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 uh, COVID shots and the mm-hmm. vaccinations and or whatever, I was very turned off by that. And you know, there were doctors who were being silenced, like people who were professionals who felt differently, right? And so the idea, Jay, where well, you mentioned that people are being arrested in Europe, for example, for showing some type of um, pro-Palestinian position. It doesn't mean that they're pro-terrorism, right? But we have to, we're called Black Lives Chatter, man. 
And if we're not able to talk and have discussions and conversations without it being censored, right, as long as it's being done respectfully, I think, as long as people are following the laws for the most part, um, we should be able to voice ourselves. And so we're in a dangerous place where we're getting all too comfortable with being censored. And I think for us, especially, right, we like to chatter, the last thing that we want is censorship. And so I am firmly against censorship, especially when it comes to responsible conversations that need to be had. And if they're being done peacefully, um, without malice and without calling for uh, uh, violence against anyone else, people should be able to express their thoughts. Um, but we're in a very dangerous place, man. But go ahead, SNL. So actually, I wanted to weigh in on that a little bit more, too, before moving on to speaking up. You talked about being inside the borders. It's already in the borders. There was just a recent case where a um, elderly gentleman killed a six-year-old boy and um, as well as stabbed his mother and put him in critical condition and whatnot, simply because the um, because he thought the child was Palestinian, but he was actually, you know, but he was the family was Muslim. And it's because of that sentiment with that with the conflict. Right. And so the only question I have and then I'll, so I agree with speaking of 100 um, percent. I find it ironic that the very thing that the Jews, a.k.a. the Holocaust and Nazi Germany and so forth and the genocide that was um, committed against them, they're now committing against another group of people. And I find that the definition of irony as well as um, to be just unbelievable that this continued to proceed in the manner that it's proceeding. I think that all voices actually matter in this particular cases, particularly those that are oppressed, particularly those that are being censored. And also, let's just be honest, there's a lot of, of political power as well as manpower, resources, and so forth on one side. This is a very one-sided conflict where one side has all the military backing, all the resources and so forth, and the other side doesn't necessarily have the same. But so just out of curiosity, and I don't want to go there, but I have to go there. Okay. No, <laughs> I'm saving it for the, for the Lala. That's what I'm, I'm, we're, we'll get to it. So we're going to go ahead and keep it moving in. And All right, so real quick, yesterday, I just got to say kudos for you for staying on topic while it's like, I'm like, did she notice that? Okay, maybe not because you stayed on topic. <laughs> I'm looking at right. Jay like, hey, we here. But She's kudos to you for staying on your train of thought. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm also glad, I'm glad you addressed it because you were like talking about some heavy stuff, right? And then the movement happens in the background. And I see Nick, and I don't know what he's thinking, right? So I look at him like, yeah. So I'm like, I have a look on my face that does not match at the moment. A look that was similar that you had on your face earlier when you froze out, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it was a big smile. You'll see it on the playback. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sorry about that call. Okay, okay. No, I, 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 all right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I did, did, Nick, you said something, and I just want to touch on this real quick, just for information purposes. The U.S. vetoed it because the language in it did not include Israel's right to defend itself against Hamas. And because of that, they wouldn't ask for it. They would not agree to the ceasefire. So because that phrase wasn't in there, that was the reason, which you can feel how you feel about it, people. I personally think you don't stop breaking up. You don't refuse to break up a fight because the person getting the person doing the most of the heavy punches hasn't been told yet he has the right to to beat up somebody that bothers him 
Like you stop the fight first and then you address all the other stuff. But whatever. That's what, it's, that's what you want school teachers to do, right? For your kids because you care about them. So whatever. What am I talking about? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so speaking of speaking then and uh, stopping fights, <laughs> let's talk about Will Smith, right? So I know we got a clip for that. So can we run that Will Smith clip? Yes. Run that before being footage. Hold on. I was just thinking it. Can you love somebody forever, no matter what. <laughs> oh boy, was I, mm. <laughs> I saw you, man, I saw your face. Um, <laughs> you know, can you show up and love somebody for the rest of your life, even when you don't agree with them? Nobody on earth except you, mommy. You, mommy, my mommy. Jade is the best friend I have ever had on this planet. And I am going to show up for her and support her for the rest of my life. Mm. All right. So um, for those who didn't know, this was Will Smith stopping in Be More. That's Baltimore um, for uh, Jada's book tour. And so this speech was uh, I'm going to call it a speech. I'm going to say this show of support was for Jada. And I'm just curious because last week the drama pertaining to they were never married or they've been divorced for the past six years and so forth and all the revelations that she revealed. Um, and then he shows up and I'm just curious, is this unconditional love? And what are you guys thoughts on this? So just a quick correction. I think she said that they were separated for the last six but, yeah, years. But- it wasn't technically a divorce on paper, but I guess they were, you know, apart as, as Jada did in that last Right. She had sound effect. You know, I think she even had to come back on like another interview to clarify what she was talking about in the beginning, right? So, but I'll speak on the Will Smith thing. Um, I'm I'm tired of them. Uh, oh, I, I don't. On the one hand, okay, let me be serious for a second. On the one hand, I love the sentiments of what uh, Will said, right? The idea of unconditional love, the idea of being there for somebody. You know, I think all of us, we're obviously in relationships. We have different types of relationships. And some people maybe feel like we love them unconditionally and we'll stand by them no matter what, right? I, I kind of get that. But my my love being unconditional does not mean that my relationship status has to be unconditional, right? What I'm willing to deal with as it relates to my mental health may have conditions on it. Let me put it that way, right? So while I can love you unconditionally, I can support you and say, hey, man, you know, do your thing or whatever, but I'm going to do it from over here, right? Will Smith makes it very difficult, right, when he comes out and says these things because obviously people want to have an opinion on their relationship, right? It's their relationship. If they're happy with it, if that's how he feels, kudos to him. But what's not going to happen is me continuing to have any sympathy for him. Right. What's not going to happen is me going to cape for him or speak on his behalf. And matter of fact, I'm not even going to speak negatively about Jada. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if you are enabling this type of behavior, if you like it, I love it. You know what I'm saying? Who am I? Mm -hmm. I think most of us thought like normal human beings 
that, hey, this is problematic. But apparently in his journey, which he's on a different spiritual level than I am, so I'll give him kudos. I know he did ayahuasca and shit. Nigga, I need to try me some of that. I want the awareness that he has because it must be on some Professor X shit. It must be on some next level of understanding because, like I said, on the one hand, I feel where he's coming from. I can appreciate it. Um, I can even understand it, but I guess because oftentimes we think about things in the context of how we would respond and how we would react. That's not for me. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done completely. Matter of fact, I'll just put this last thing. This is what I thought Will was going to say instead of what the bullshit that he actually said. Let me play this real quick. Cause I thought this is what he's going to say. So the bullshit that he said, hold on. I literally said to Jada, that's it. I retire. I retire from trying to make you happy. I need you to go make yourself happy and just prove to me that it's even possible. Yes, that's right. I used Will Smith's own words to respond to Will Smith. Will Smith. What happened to that Willie? He's not Big Willie anymore. He's Little Willie style. What are we talking about, Jay? But go ahead. <laughs> it's like the Gemini Man thing. Though. You know what I mean? It's two Will Smith. Right? Yeah. By the way, that movie is popping on Netflix right now, by the way. Gemini Man, I heard it's, it's definitely doing well on Netflix. Good reference. But go ahead. <laughs> it's a good promo. What did you say, Sam? No, I'm saying he was in the stages of grief. So that stage was anger. Right, mm. and now he's in acceptance. So mm. as he lost a relationship, so when you lose a relationship, you still go through the stages of grief, as if you lost mm. someone. Period. So when he said all that, that was in his anger stage. Now he's in the last stage of acceptance. Mm. But what are your That's thoughts on Will Smith and everything overall, though? So you know, all right, here's my thing. Like I, I think that he starts off that clip. Or or, or or in that same speech, there's been a different clip. He starts off with, you know, what you're witnessing is a very messy social experiment, right? He says it's a very mes- messy social experiment in love and friendship. So I like what he, I like what they are saying as a couple about what it means to love somebody, flaws and all, right? And to really accept a person for who they are, Understand nobody's going to be perfect. There's going to be some work we all have to do on ourselves. And if we're going to partner with somebody, we're going to partner with them through the work that they're doing on themselves as we do work on ourselves. And if we're going to partner with someone, we need our partner to deal with us in good faith about what they see from their side, right? We, we do need that objectivity, uh, that objective observation or whatever, because sometimes the way we feel like we're moving isn't the way we're really moving. It's just the way we feel. Right. But the way we're actually moving in the space between other people is coming off a lot different, kind of like Jada. Right now, like Nick says, I, I think it's good to understand what their experiments for. Right. Their experiment is about love and friendship. Right. And and they're experimenting on marriage. OK, uh, so please understand that uh, they, this is not a recipe necessarily that they're putting out for other people to follow. Right. This is not the cookbook. They still in the kitchen trying to figure out the too much of that. Ooh, some more of this. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, that's heavy on my Tupac. You know what I mean? So <laughs> they still getting it together. There's a dash of Tupac. Nice. Just, you need just a dash of Tupac, a sprinkle. You know what I'm saying? Honey, we're good the salt chicken. She was doing the salt chicken challenge on Tupac. All right. So. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My point here is this, though. Uh, so I love what it says about love, okay? And 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 I applaud him for being able to stand next to her. Um, but 
what I have found out personally about love and relationships is I can be in a relationship and it can be toxic, right? And I can still love the person, but I have to leave the relationship because the relationship is toxic. If if you take a a blue jay, okay, and you push him down under the water for a long time, the blue jay will die because it will drown. That water environment, that overly saturated environment is toxic to the blue jay. It's perfectly fine for the fish. It's mm-hmm. fine for ducks. There are some that can go in between and be just great, right? But you have to understand what your own nature is and what you need as a person. And you have to be aware that sometimes the environment that your partner is going to thrive in is the one that's going to kill you. And in that situation, mm-hmm. it's toxic. And you just got to make the right move. Like Nick says, you got to love from a distance, from a safe distance, right? For your own personal safety, emotional, and whatnot. And that's why I sit on it. And so I'm going to love Jada and Will from a distance. You know what I mean? I'm going to social media distance them. And uh, <laughs> I'll figure out and I'll come back in maybe 10 years and see how they're doing. Now that I know what this is all about, you know what I mean? I understand, oh, this is not supposed to be like, you know, a marriage in a way that I tend to think of. Which is fine because, you know, I'm out the box anyway. Um, but I, I have some, some perspective. I've been judging her. I've been judging her because I'm like, look, lady, you say you're a wife, but this is not the way a wife should show up, Right. But she didn't show up to be a wife. She didn't apply for the wife job. She applied for the friend job and got promoted from fries to whatever. And now Right. And now we and now Calvin's on the register and we realize he can't do good math. I mean, it's what happens when you promote people. You figure out they're not good for other stuff. Anyway, I, I digress. I whatever. Uh Essendon, what are your thoughts? So I actually love the fact that he said that it's unconditional love. Basically, that's why I interpreted it was that you show up and I'm a big fan of even in marriage, like you're divorced. Like, I don't see why. And I actually have a hard time understanding why people can't be friends after they get after the relationship is, is ended or at the minimum, not necessarily be friends, but be cordial. Right. Like there should be some cordial politeness, um, minimum standards. Right. Um during the relationship after it's over with. One thing I will say though, is that while I appreciate his sentiments, I actually feel bad because I kind of went hard on Jada myself. And now I'm just like, it's not just Jada. This is a codependent environment where they thrive on each other toxicity. And not only do they thrive on it, they um, promoted it, so to speak, with this coming out story. And so I just, I actually feel bad because, <clears throat> sorry, um, because I was like, oh my God, Jada, you're a little toxic. And it turns out, no, no, they thrive on this. This is them. And if this is their relationship model, then I love them for it. If he loves her, she likes him, <laughs> then I'm good with it. If they're good with it, I'm good with it. And so if this is what unconditional love looks like. I don't know if I want it to that extent and that extreme, but then I, I guess J. Cole line was still true, you know, <laughs> that, I don't know. I can't even say I want that Jada and Will Smith love. I can't even right? say. Right, right. <laughs> you, you, know, you know how many times I went back and listened to people talk about that Will and Jada goals thing? It was like the whole Bobby and Whitney. Remember when that was a thing? Everybody wanted to be like Bobby and Whitney for a second. We got to do better with picking our goals, y'all. We got to do better. We, we do. Hey, so J. Cole did the song recently at a show. 
And when he got to that line, he like, let pull the mic off. <laughs> Even he's not ready to call that out anymore. He's like holding back. You know, it's yeah, like, love is love is love. It's a different type of love they're showing us. Is um, cool. the only way I look at it. It's a different type of love. The friendship love. The through thick and thin. Maybe that's what they're showing us. The the thick and thin part. You know, I use yes. the uh, cooking analogy, right? So. You know, sometimes you when you're watching the person cook and they're making something new, you want to hold off till you taste it, right? You want to let it make sure it's done. Maybe let somebody else sample it or whatever. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's good. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll try some of that. So uh, <laughs> as far as that Jada and that Will love, I'm going to wait to let that finish cooking and then uh, sit back and see how everybody else digests. And then if they're choking on it, I'm uh, yeah, but I'm going to sit back. Well, you know, I'm not going to be the first to suck that up. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, speaking of relationships that we don't know uh, how we got here, <laughs> not that Jeannie, Ma, and Jeezy were ever couples goals for most of us, although I suspect there might have been some cute little Asian kids who were like, mm, goals, right? Uh, sorry. <laughs> These are all just jokes, y'all. Just the disclaimer at the top of the show. <laughs> but speaking of which, I felt like we had to kind of double back on this because we did speak about Jenny Ma last week. Jenny Ma went on, I forgot what show that was, Sherry Shepard's show, kind of talked about how she was doing with the divorce. Um, and apparently things are kind of becoming more formalized, right, or finalized because Jeezy on his Instagram dropped a little note and he basically was like, yo, this is what he basically said. The decision to end this chapter in my life was not made impulsively and comes with a heavy heart. Mm, I feel you, that heart is heavy. Despite this, my love and respect for Jenny remains, and the time we spent together holds a cherished place in my heart. He continues, our beautiful daughter is the best gift from our relationship, and I am committed to assuring that she feels the love and stability that she deserves. I hear you, King. So what are you guys' thoughts on, I guess it sounds like it's over. Did you feel like Jeezy needed to say something? And what do you thought about, what did you think about the words that he had in regards to the end of his marriage? I think it was beautiful. It's so contrary to the Will Smith and Jada love and still showing how you can be polite and cordial um, once the relationship is over with, you know. And as with most people, they always go fall back on their kids and say that, that, the fruits of the marriage, i.e. the kids, um, is what they're going to live for and continue to have that cordial relationship. So I think it wasn't necessary for him to necessary for him to actually say and put a fine point on it. But I think it was admirable that he's demonstrating a different type of let's still be friends <laughs> after the relationship is over. Yeah, I echo that 100 percent. I don't think he had to make any kind of statement. Uh, I think he could have let the rest of the world just kind of get her. Kind of like Will and Jada or whatever, right? You could have just fallen back. But I think that if when you love a person, uh, even if the relationship doesn't work out, then you don't want their, you know what I'm saying? The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. You know what I mean? So um, if you really love a person, even when, even when you guys can't be together anymore, you still want to do everything that you can to help them land as softly as they can, as you hope to land as softly as you can and move on with your life. You know, two people can can agree that they don't belong together without feeling like they have to destroy each other. And honestly, if, if, if you can't come out like that, then you probably shouldn't have been in a relationship anyway because it was more about the uh, individual's own personal gratification than it was having a part, being the kind of partner that your partner needed. So, no, no, listen, I agree with both of y'all, so I want to be mature and say I agree with both of y'all. But 
they've only been married for two weeks, two years, right? Roughly, give or take, two years. There's a part of me that wonders, do people give up too quickly on marriage, right? So in juxtaposition of the whole Jada and Will situation, they've been married for a long time, right? And they've obviously gone through a lot in their marriage, right? Um, So on the one hand, that might be an example of sticking out way too long, you know, like, hey, maybe you guys' time has passed. But with Jeezy, it's like, yo, you've been married for two years. Like, I would like to think that when you decide to marry someone, there's a lot of vetting that you've already done. There's a lot of conversation that you've already had, right? There's a lot of things that you guys have somewhat worked out. So there's a, a small part of me that just wonders, like, was the work not done on the front end or maybe the work is not being done on the back end? You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, these are these people's lives. But when we kind of extrapolate from these celebrity stories, I think there's a lesson for everyday people. Number one being just try to vet as much as you possibly can. Get to know what her family is like, right? Because I think we heard things about how the family was involved. Weren't those conversations that should have been had, like in terms of your mom living me, you know, living with us, your brother living with us? Like, there's certain conversations that should have been had very early on, right? Did they go through any type of counseling? I mean, I know Jenny Mom mentioned she has some issues with her past relationships or some anchor issues. Was that something that you not was not aware of, right? So again, we're just using these celebrities as an example, but I certainly think there's there's something here, and that is if you don't do the work on the front end, right, of the relationship, nor on the back end. Once you say I do, then was it really worth it? Like, I, I don't know, man. I just kind of feel like this isn't the greatest example. I wish them well independently. Um, but we really, as as individuals, have to stop following celebrities because <laughs> they're, they're poor examples, I think, for the rest of us. And I hate to say that, you know, but there is something that we can learn and glean from them. And that's the 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 tact that I take when I talk about some of these things. Let's learn from GZ and Jenny Maya. <laughs> I think... I think that our expectations of celebrity relationships is a little unrealistic. Uh, celebrity relationships are in these hyperbolic chambers slash pressure, pressure cooker situations. As soon as two people are seen together, the media starts making them a couple, right? And then questions start being asked like, how long y'all been dating? How long y'all going to date? Do you see a wedding in the future? Do you see this and do you see that? Are y'all exclusive? That person can't be seeing that with anybody else because now it looks like they're cheating, right? So people are, are forced into relationships by association when they haven't really maybe had the time, particularly if you're a celebrity and you got your own job and you're moving your own schedule, right? They haven't really had time to really invest in the way that a lot of us who are living our everyday lives and who don't necessarily have the rest of the world telling us it's time for us to boo up. We really could take that time. And we really could do that that digging. You know what I mean? I don't know if the celebrities have that same latitude. Uh, and I think, I don't they know do. that they can be making excuses for that, man. Well, apparently they do have not. Time. They're apparently not, according to our next topic. No, no, before we, go there, before we go there, real quick, as a uh-huh. I, mean, I, I I hear you on the, I don't think that's an excuse. You know what I'm saying? I, I, agree, I agree with you that we should not be looking at celebrities a certain type of way because we don't okay. know what their life is like. I agree with that 100%. That's why I think like we can take these like surface stories and just extrapolate whether or not a person or a couple puts enough time in the beginning of the relationship. If it gets rocky, are people just so quick to exit, right? Because that's a legit conversation in our community. We have a very high divorce rate, right? So I do think that's, that's part of it. But this idea they don't have all the time, conversely, they have all the resources too, right? They're able to take trips and take time off from work in ways that everyday people can't. Like you literally, as a celebrity True. who's worth millions of dollars, you can take a whole month and just travel and get to know your significant other in a way that people with family and with kids and with work, it's like, hey, I only got Tuesday available. So over that's the course true. of a month, I may only get four dates. But if I'm a celebrity rocking out, you know what I'm saying? So I don't think that's really, that's, that should not be an excuse for people who have the means to just do better and be better. You dig okay. what I'm saying? I do think I'll land with this. 
um, S&M that I wonder is this uh, if it speaks to the culture of marriage to where people are no longer as committed as, as we used to be. And the first sign of trouble or within early parts of the relationship, people run for the door as opposed to sticking it out. And I'll land with this, right? So early on in the first four years of my relationship, it was almost done. So I was about to run through the door. You dig what I'm saying? We were having some challenges big time, right? I look back on it now and oh my God, I'm so glad I didn't make that choice, right? Because we did the work necessary. This was at four years. They haven't even made it to three, right? So at four years, it was like, uh, then we went, got some counseling, did some work, whatever, whatever. And our relationship became the most beautiful, right? And so I'm just saying sometimes people be so quick to leave a situation. And I just think sometimes if you do the work on the front end, and I think if you do enough work on the front end, maybe you have enough confidence that if you try enough that the relationship can maintain. That's basically what I'm saying. Mm. So I didn't think Jay meant it in that manner. When he talked about the hyper pressure system that they go through, I think he was still speaking more of how society places these norms on them and identify them as either a couple or their marriage and how society stays in their business. And so that they may not necessarily blossom. So it's easier for them to run away because they have a lot of societal pressures on them as far as how to look, who they should be with. If they're in the constant rumors that surround them, unless they can keep their life very private. That's why it seems like the relationships that work the best are those who is maybe mm-hmm. one celebrity and ones who's a non-celebrity. And so I think he was speaking more of the pressure that surrounds them, the pressure of the community as far as what the society may think they should present as, their own personal biases that they may have and that type of pressure. Um, and then coupled with what they're doing in life, right? As far as their what you talked about, Nick, their schedules and, and that type of stuff. And so I think that is the pressure bowl um, that Jay may have been talking about when he was talking about the society pressure, that outside pressure, that they're under a tremendous amount of outside pressure. So if they can't stand up to that, then you'll have a situation where they divorce because they can't stand up to that in addition to whatever inherent behaviors or beliefs that they had that they were bringing to the table. Now, I agree with you 100% that we live in an age of microwave relationships, right? where it's easier to jump in and jump out, especially when it comes to um, divorces, because we made it easy for a divorce, right? With the no-fault divorce. Um, at one point, you didn't have to even notify anybody that you're going to get divorced. You just had to put an ad in the newspaper or something. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that society has made it easier to have these microwave um, relationship, microwave divorces and so forth. And so I understand where you're coming from. I agree that they technically have the, all the resources in the world to make it happen, make it work. And however, we're still not taking consideration the other, the external circumstances that they may feel influence their relationship. But two years was a microwave relationship, you know, in and out. It was like, let me step my toe in the water and now I'm going to go ahead and step back out. I don't like these waters. These waters too hot or these waters too cold or they too murky. They too dirty. And so, and not willing to actually put that work in. But like I said, you know, speaking of the outside pressure, external pressure, look at the relationship, Adina Menzel. First of all, I'll be honest. I didn't know who the hell Adina Menzel was. (laughs) Either that. (laughs) And then I found out she was like one of the actresses on Frozen and she was in Enchanted. But anyways, that's not the point. So I think she realized a lot of people didn't know who the hell she was either. And so she decided to throw her husband, our ex-husband, um, Tay Diggs, up in her mouth, so to speak. Oh. <laughs> he went and got the clip. 
<laughs> Let's see what you had to say. One is having, first of all, you both were incredibly successful, but one is having a, a no. surge of success. Yeah. How did that affect? Uh, there's lots. Things? It's very complicated. I mean, very supportive of each other always. Of course. So excited for him. The thing that came into play more, I would say, and he's talked about it too, is the racial, interracial mm -hmm. aspect of it. Because we were never, when you're in the theater, like, it's just not a thing. Like, we yeah. all love each other and sleep with each other yeah. and best friends with whoever wants to be whatever sexual orientation. Well, I, I mean, the theater community. Yeah. But when you leave that cocoon, that bubble, and now in his case, he's people's, you know, what is it? 50 most beautiful 50 most people. Beautiful. Or he's on the, he was on the cover people, yeah. of Essence uh -huh. and um, Ebony and being interviewed by all of these um, black journalists. And I think, I think he had his own stuff to deal with with that. And it seemed like there was disappointment in the community mm. with him because he was married to some little white Jewish, white Jewish girl. girl from so this is exactly what I believe Jay was speaking of when he talked about the pressure mm. system that they live within. And, um, <laughs> and so he just, so this particular clip, she woke up the whole interracial aspect of the relationships and how that may actually weigh in on their relationship. I found it fascinating um, that the words that she used to describe herself, which was white Jewish girl. And I wonder if there was some type of significance for her to use that phrase, considering this interview was just two days ago and the conflict that's currently taking place. And so, but that's neither here or there. That's just part of me, just curiosity, having a squirrel moment for the purpose of this conversation though. What do you guys think about the fact that she's basically blaming their race for the demise of their relationship? Jay? You know, I grew up in Mississippi, right? Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, very, my high school class had the distinction of not being as mentally segregated as the class's prior to us and after us. I think we were one of the most open and liberated or whatever in our thinking, in our ability to get along, collaborate or whatever. So uh, typically, you know, even the the, the lunchroom would be divided uh, visibly between you know, the lighter side and the darker side. No one ever said blacks over here, whites over here. And we certainly didn't sit that way. But you could see that people tended to sit with people who more than often looked like them. Right. Maybe that was shared values. Maybe it was whatever. However, my girlfriend was Indian, red dot. And uh, <laughs> so you're, you're, this is my high school girlfriend. Hmm? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Something like <laughs> more? Never mind. So this is, I was oh, like, wow. ever since smile wow. from Jay earlier, this podcast has been going. <laughs> We're going to edit that. <laughs> so, she she was her family. She was a, a, a second generation immigrant from India, right? But I thought she was gorgeous. But when I dated her my senior year, she was a junior. I got a lot of flack from my friends, like, "Yo, you couldn't find no black girl that you thought was hot or whatever, whatever, whatever." And and I get that. I get the idea that 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 uh, there are some people who feel like when individuals of their particular ethnicity have reached a certain level of prominence and success. The best way they could pay it forward is by partnering up with someone else from their community so they can build that whatever success and renown and, and, and benefit there is there reinvest it into community, like pay it back, give it back to the community. Don't spin it out somewhere else. I get that. Okay. Um, but then I'm also going to say it's so hard to find somebody you vibe with 
like on the way that you want to vibe, depending on what level you're on and where you are in life, then when you find that, you should rock with it. Um, because there's so much more about aligning with an individual than their skin color. Now, don't get me wrong. I love black women. I've married black women, but I've dated a lot of other kinds of women. I'm open to interacting with all sorts of human beings. Um, and I think when you choose your partner, you don't choose your partner for the crowd. You choose your partner for you. Because when the crowd is gone and the TV is off and the reporters are gone, you got to be with that person. That's the person you go to sleep with and you wake up with. That's the person you go to when you're having your hard times and you want to be vulnerable or whatever. So you you choose your partner for you. Um, do have some greater cultural considerations, but choose your partner for you. I think she copping out. I think, no, I don't know, because the Indian girl did, did break up with me because she said her parents didn't want her dating a black dude. Mm. I don't that know. Her succumbing to world pressures was that? Her I think it is. I but she wasn't a celebrity, though. The Indian girl wasn't a celebrity, though, right? No, but but I was. So people can <laughs> so so people can succumb to outside pressures yeah. and not be celebrities. Yeah. So not specifically a celebrity thing. I just want to clarify that that whole I, point. I, I, see <laughs> I see what you're doing there. I see what you're doing there. Amount of pressure. It's a different type of pressure that's applied in real world situations, i.e. parental um, parental pressure, peer pressure and so forth versus the media and society pressure on a particular relationship. So so I'll end with this. I think what she said, I think that what she said could be factual in her experience. I think it's a cop out. I think they weighed, either one or both of them, weighed out the value that person brought to their life with the pushback they got in other areas. And it was like, you know what? You're not worth it. <laughs> and they put them down. <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay. Okay. So I got to, I got to, we all deal with outside pressures. I'm a big proponent of dealing with your shit in-house as much as possible and not letting the outside world affect your relationship, right? And I get that celebrities have a different level of that, but that's what they signed up for, right? So, you know, you have to navigate that reality to the best of your ability. You dig what I'm saying? I think at the time for these two people, they probably were still young. It sounded like it might've been very early on in Tay Diggs' career, right? And then life happens. You know, he becomes more popular. He becomes one of the 50, 60th, you know, 50 sexiest people or whatever. The black community embrace him, right? And then dynamics change because of those external things. You dig what I'm saying? I, I just feel like black men in particular need to be okay with the consequences of their actions and their choices and stand on that shit. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not, I don't date. I mean, I have dated interracially, um, but you know, when it comes to marriage and all that kind of shit, like it's black, 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 black. You dig what I'm saying? If I'm going to keep it just very straight up, you know, I might've engaged, but like not have been engaged with, if you understand what I'm saying. But the point is, is that that's not what I wanted for my life. I did not want my kids. I didn't want the reality of dealing with the relationship dynamic like that. I'm not even a celebrity. That's just a personal preference for me. Like I don't, I've dated other people and I've seen the looks and the reactions. And if you're going to do that, you got to be able to stand on it from both sides. So to now come back and say, oh, well, these were the pressures and what, what the fuck do you think? I mean, she, she tried, she tried to couch it like, oh, we was in a very cocoon and an artistic community. And trust me, I get it because those artistic communities tend to be very open and loving and understanding and all the other kind of stuff. Right. But as their career continued to progress, you know, now he's outside that community. Now he is in the Hollywood community. And the fact of the matter, 
matter is Tate Diggs' career, I think, was influenced by the fact that he was fucking with white girls. Because when your audience seems to be a big part of it is black women, black women are not going to be wanting to see their leading man married to a white girl because part of it is the is the fantasy of, oh, that's my man. You know, that could be my man. I love him. I want him. And then when they see that that man with a white woman, a woman that doesn't even look anything like them, it turns them off, right? And so you have to decide, was your relationship more important than your career? And it sounds like the career ended up being more important than the relationship at the end of the day. You dig what I'm saying? So I give her the space to communicate. She did intimate that, you know, he mentioned this before, and I think it is honest, um, and it is important for them to be honest, because maybe what's, what's the guy? Um, he was on in, uh, Insecure, the brother who played what's the guy? Issa Rae's um, boyfriend. Uh, I forgot Which his name. Lawrence. The, uh, Lawrence. Yeah, the Lawrence. One. Right, Lawrence, who's on Issa Rae's uh, Insecure. You know, he was up and coming. Right. Brother, good looking. You know what I'm saying? And so then he comes out, he marries the white woman. Right. I forgot her name or whatever. He even had to turn off his comments. Right. When he had his pictures, because he understood that there were going to be some vitriol in his comments. So, you know, for black men, especially those in the public light, especially those whose business may be uh, supported by black women. I'm just going to tell you, bro, if you don't know. Making that choice can hurt, can be bad for business. And if you're going to make that choice, hopefully you have the fortitude to, to stand by your choice and love on that woman and support that woman as you guys continue to grow. Because otherwise, then you'll be just like these two. And it's just, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. So all I will point out, and uh, <laughs> so I don't come off as like the bitter black woman. Is no, that- come off as a bitter black woman. That's going to get us some views, girl. If that's how you really <laughs> happen to that. Because <laughs> I'm not bitter. <laughs> one, I'm not bitter. But this is something that some women will say, which is the fact that the divorce rate between the black man and the white woman, or interracial, particularly between black men and white women, is actually higher, twice as high as the divorce rate in other situations. And that could technically play a role in because it's interracial and perhaps it's because they don't have the fortitude to go ahead and stand on it, like stand in that moment, stand with that woman or vice versa. Cause she may have been the one to say, okay, I, I can't handle this anymore and, and left and whatever the situation is, but the divorce rate is literally twice as high within that particular dynamic between the black man and the white woman. When it comes to interracial relationship, I'm 100% pro black. I'm going to be honest and say that, um, <laughs> I actually believe that the stronger we are, we're stronger together, right? And when people say that, you usually think of the whole melting pot. But in the Black community, considering what our net worth is and so forth, um, Dr. Umar, I think that's what his name was, Dr. Umar had a clip where he talked about how these snow bunnies, I'm going to put quotation marks on that. Snow bunnies, yeah. How these snow bunnies was taking money from the black community because they were marrying the wealthy men. They were marrying the leading elite folks within the community. And then once they divorced them, they took that income. He talked about um, Tiger Woods, um, even Kobe Bryant. And then he talked about not even with, yeah, no, Kobe Bryant. Al Shockey brought up Vanessa Bryant. But 
This is the piece he took. He said she opened a foundation to give out money to these schools, and she didn't choose not one HBCU, but the Kobe Bryant Foundation Grant Scholarship is going to predominantly white schools. And she like, and his he's basically saying it's because that's what they know. So that money goes back into their community. And so that's something else that we need to think about when we talk about interracial relationships is that financial piece where the part of the reason why the community net worth is because we're losing our net worth. And it, for some reason, it doesn't quite happen the same way when a um, black woman marry outside the race because the black woman is actually, unless her name is Candace Owens, but it's more likely to still buy okay. and shop and spend in the black community. Right. And so, um, so it's just fascinating when it comes to interracial relationships. I think that in this case, she did it because I guess she's um, dropping an album called Drama Queen or something like that. And so this was a way to get her name back visible, right? Because mm-hmm. um, Tay's been in a relationship for like two years with this other woman and she's actually Nicky married. Jones. Yes. Thank you. And um, <laughs> Are they on the rocks. Mm-hmm. Call me boo. <laughs> There's always home here. <laughs> Baby, we're going ahead. Right. So this was just an opportunity for her to reescore. As far as the us regular folks, so to speak, it's just a matter of like Nick said, standing in standing your ground, standing on it, but let's stand on it without pooping on anybody else though. Let's remember that. So whether you date outside the race, black, white, whatever the case may be, you don't have to poop on your own race to do so. Stand on your ground, stand in your truth and recognize you love who you love, not because of this person did this or this race did that against you or whatever the case may be. And Mm. I'll end there. So, you know, what's interesting is right. So, we're kind of looking at the how the community or the support or lack of support from the community can play into the outcome of a relationship, right? Particularly when it's interracial. And then we have a case like um, Lopita Nyong'o. Um, that's yeah, I think I said that right. Good job. That one, yeah, yeah, man. Good job. <laughs> Up all night with a flashcard, like hey. Lupita. Okay, uh, she's. <laughs> She's a she's a, a Mexican Kenyan, which I thought was a very cool thing that I didn't know about her. Right, I hadn't met one of those before. I mean, uh, okay, let me stop there. Never mind. Stop, stop there. <laughs> I love food tacos. I love food. Jollof and refried beans. Go jollof rice and refried beans. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm getting my cultures confused. This episode, <laughs> this is coming to solve all kinds of cultures today. Yeah, I'm just sorry. going so left. So she and this is my next hard one here, Silema Masakela, right? Mm. Have been dating for a while, right? Yeah, thank you. And um, this is the black on black relationship, right? And she she was careful to keep it very private. Uh, they didn't do a whole lot of posting when she first came out about it. It was through like a little hint kind of post. She's been really, you know, just they did some pictures, posted pictures of them dressed alike or whatever for like a swimsuit. Uh, he owns an African swimwear line uh, based in, I think, California or something. So he did some promote, some promo social media pictures for that. And then just over the last couple of days, we find out that she uh, is separating from him. They're, they're going to be splitting up. Um, I think she's mentioned something about deception. And now the rumors are that she is going to be with Joshua. What's his name? I forgot his, the, the, white, the white actor guy. Yeah, from Dawson's Creek or whatever, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, he, yeah. he just recently got a divorce, right? 
from a black chick. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, so what's weird, right, is that so the, the rumor gets started. And I'm gonna say this and get you guys take on it. The rumor gets started because she posts first. She posts about the breakup, something about deception. She's in a season of heartache, but she doesn't really want to go into it. And then she posts that she's out with some friends, and they went to a whose concert was it? somebody's concert. Uh, oh, Janelle Monae. They went to her her, her uh, concert, and she's with the Joshua guy or whatever, Joshua Jacobs, whatever his name is. And but she tags his ex in the Ooh. post. He what the ex wasn't in the picture, but she tagged the ex in the post like at what da da da. It was really weird. But so now the speculation is that she has left this strong African brother, and in order to go to you know she like. Dump the Black Panther for the White Wolf. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> you want to get that line off. Huh? I just wanted to get it off. I had to figure out a way to get that line off. <laughs> I think I nailed it. I nailed it. All right. So what do you guys think, though? What, what are your thoughts? Is this a story about nothing? Is there more to it? What do you, what do you think? I'll let S&M start with this one because I still got to get my thoughts together. Go ahead, S&M. So I'm more in the wait and see mode, uh, right? But I, what I will say is that if he does get with her, then the saying, once you go black, you never go back, is true. Because <laughs> he literally just got out of a divorce. Like I think the divorce is still going. They literally just talked about their divorce. And if he's already dating another black woman, then it's like, hmm. He has a type. So, <laughs> right. So he clearly has a preference. He clearly <laughs> has a preference. And so, and he's truly living by once you go black, you never go back. And I can't hate him for that because, you know, I agree. Once you go black, you can never go back because I stayed black. So, you know, <laughs> um, my husband's black. You never but, went anywhere is what you're saying. Yeah, I did. And so, but right now I don't, I find it a little messy a little shicey that she tagged his um, soon-to-be ex-wife. That was a little shicey on her part. And it actually made me wonder, like, wait a minute, what deception are you talking about? And were you the actual deceiver then? What was your role in this deception? Because why are you tagging his ex-wife for a so-called group outing? And so this is messy as hell. As far as her leaving the Black Panther for the White Wolf, um, <laughs> Jay wanted to give it off so bad. Go ahead. <laughs> um, until I see them together, I'm going to assume that that I just don't know. I'm just going to say I don't know. I think that I don't know if she does. I'll be disappointed because once again, I'm all about black love. And yes. if that black love shows up in a different way, okay. So I'm not sure how I feel right now. And I just know the only feeling that I def definitely have is that once you go black, you never go back. And she messy as hell for attacking the ex. I, I got a quick question for you, SM, real quick, before I answer, right? Because you said something that really resonated with me. Uh, so you mentioned black love. If you had a page called Black Love, do you think interracial couples should be on that page? Yes or no? So to be honest, I don't think so. I think that it's, unless I have like a subsidiary page, of that delves into the different types of love in general. But to me, black love is black on black. 
you know. Mm. And um, and then if they have kids, for example, and the kids like, but I'm mixed race, and um, and they date somebody black. Well, now it has become black love again. I know it seems. A little- <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's a little complicated. It seems, it seems a little, <laughs> a little complicated. <laughs> Is there an ancestry.com test that goes with it? Like you, <laughs> you know, and, yeah, yeah. you know, and so, so I think that, so for me personally, I think black love is between two black people. That's why I call it black love. If it has a, um, if it's one partner who's not necessarily black, then I think that it's interracial love, and I will, I have no problem labeling interracial love. Okay. Now, I, mean, I just had to ask because I remember I saw a page that was about that, that would have these uh, interracial couples. And I'm like, there's a lot of people who have pushback on it. So I just want to get your thoughts real quickly on that. Um, I'll be honest, man. I think Lupita's fine, right? She's, you know, she's an attractive woman, very talented. You know what I mean? She's back out here on the market. You know, hey, you know, uh, you know, she comes from, you know, the motherland. So maybe she'll be open to a poly relationship. You dig what I'm saying? Uh <laughs> So, Lupita, if you watching, <laughs> Polycule, today's word of the day, Polycule. if you're out here watching this show, but no, um, I agree with s Tag, maybe she tagged her friend to be like, hey, girl, wish you were here, you know, maybe like this is like one big happy friend group. Um, so I think you kind of covered it, s The one thing I do want to say, though, right, because I noticed, I remember when my wife was working in New York. And she had a coworker that was married to a black woman. He was a white guy. And she was a deep chocolate sister, too. You dig what I'm saying? And then when I look at this Joshua Jacobs guy, his wife was a deep chocolate, beautiful sister, too, right? And it just so happens that you mentioned preference and type. I think it's both in this case, right? He can prefer black women, but his type of black women can be beautiful chocolate. You know what I'm saying? Because Lupita is a very beautiful chocolate. I guess what I'm saying is I noticed that sometimes when white guys date out, they typically go for the deep, dark, beautiful chocolate. Like there's not a lot of like, not a lot of them are doing what what Prince Harry did with the American Markle, right? Some right. of them really go to the Serena's, you know what I'm saying? The Lupita's, you know? So kudos, in a way, I kind of can respect and appreciate that to a certain extent, right? Because we always know like within our community, sometimes our darker chocolate sisters don't get as much love, you know what I'm saying? And there's a part of me that's like, okay, you know what? I can't totally be mad at that, right? Um, but on this, at the same time, I wonder why do we give black women more grace for dating out than we do black men? Because on the heels of the Tate Dig conversation, it seems like, you know, we may be more inclined to give Lupita a little bit more grace if she chooses to, you know, date the, was it the gray wolf, the white wolf? The, the white, <laughs> white wolf. <laughs> The white wolf. Um, and and even like I gave uh, Tamar Grace a couple of episodes ago, right? But but I think the thing is for me that I think I put more responsibility on men, right? To a certain extent as air quotes being leaders, so to speak, right? And and I feel like with women, they're more open to being led. Um, and, and so I think I give them more grace probably for that reason, but also because um, there's always home for you here, baby. You know, <laughs> you know, there's a port here for those ships. You know? <laughs> whether it be relationships, whether it be situationships, right? There's a port here for you, baby. You got a port for those ships. I got a port in the storm. <laughs> you like that? I mean, you that was know, nice. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to keep up that with you, nice. my brother. Okay. Lapita, it's amazing. Lapita, if you're watching, girl. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, all I got on that, man. Shoot your shot, man. Shoot your shot. Consider my shot. 
I'm like Steph Curry, nigga. I'm out here from half court. <laughs> but go ahead. No, no. I was just gonna say. I feel like she's 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 uh. So I just want to add some context and say that apparently they had been friends for a long time. Her and the Joshua guy, or whatever. So this may have been just her hanging out with her friend, and maybe she was letting her, her you know, the girl know. Look, I'm out with your man for you here on social media. You know, I, I added you. I tagged you on it. So we weren't moving sneaky. Maybe that was what it was. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? Who knows? But, you know. The altruistic hmm. motives. Look at well, you. you. I, I, just, <laughs> I, I really should have been an attorney because I can find reasonable doubt in a whole lot of stuff. But anyway, that's all those things. <laughs> or Jason's first album. But go ahead. <laughs> True. Messy. Reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt. <laughs> all my heads out there. Are you, I'm sorry, Jay, when you done that, cut you off. I'm yeah, I'm done. I'm done. No, you're good. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I mean, listen, you know, it's not a crime, you know, to, to date who you love. Um, but it is a crime to be out here scamming people when it comes to real estate. So this next story has been all over the place. I'm going to play the clip. I tried with the segue. I thought that was pretty decent. You know, it's like, is it a crime? Yeah. It used to be a crime. Um, you know what? That's a very good point. SNM, it really is. Um, it but no, so DJ Envy has been in the news crazy recently. I'm sure everybody has heard DJ Envy from The Breakfast Club, you know, definitely one of the preeminent shows in our community or whatever. Several years ago, DJ Envy, I guess, introduced us to Caesar Pena, I think his name was, um, Flipping NJ. Um, you know, Envy and him did a bunch of different like tours, teaching people about real estate and all this other good stuff or whatever. But it turns out, there might have been some scamming going on. So I'm going to play this clip and then come back on the other side. But damn, DJ Envy, what you got here doing? Scamming people like this. Cesar Pena arrested by the feds this morning on a charge of wire fraud and brought here to the federal courthouse in Newark. They say this may be just the beginning. He could face additional charges of money laundering. You might know him on Instagram as Flippin' NJ, my friend Cesar Pena. DJ Envy often had his pal, Cesar Pena, on the radio host's The Breakfast Club show. Started with no money, and here I am, $50 million later in real estate. Promoting their real estate partnership. Now, in this federal complaint, the government says Pena engaged in a Ponzi-like scheme involving investors, adding Pena defrauded dozens of victims of millions of dollars. We interviewed many of them. I lost $200,000. $835,000 in total. I lost a total of $64,000. I lost a million dollars. Envy, whose real name is Rashawn Casey, was not charged. But many of the alleged victims say they were influenced by his celebrity so it mentioned in that clip that he wasn't charged um however i believe the the feds did raid um the, the radio station right so it seemed like it's an ongoing investigation um and so we don't know everything yet right and i don't want to make it seem like we're trying to say that dj envy is guilty right um certainly in a public perception he's guilty by association uh, Tony the Closer, I believe, who has like a, a YouTube page who covers these type of things, um, has certainly spoke out about Caesar Pena and DJ Envy. So, the, but the question I have for you guys, because one of the things that was um, in that news clip that we didn't see was that a lot of the people said they only got into it because of DJ Envy, right? Meaning that the exposure that he gave this guy, and by standing next to his guy, if you're somebody who's trusted, and people say, well, you know what, I trust DJ Envy. Even if DJ Envy didn't do anything illegal, even if he was not a part of anything that Caesar was doing, 
What responsibility do you think DJ Envy has? Because he was the person who not only introduced him to the public, had him on his radio show several times, promoted, um, they did seminars together. And there are people who, like in that clip said, the reason why they got involved with Caesar in the first place was because of DJ Envy, right? So what responsibility, assuming that he did not do anything illegal, because if he did, you already know what time it is. But assuming that he did not, what responsibility do you guys think that DJ Envy has uh, for introducing him, for promoting this guy who turned out to potentially be running a pretty large Ponzi scheme? What do you have thoughts on that? I'll jump on in. As someone who really champions uh, working with your friends and family, I, I champion uh, communities pulling together for their resources and for economic development and for investment. I think that's a great way to start. I think building with people that you know that you're close to is a great way to start. Now, and, and I think that using uh, whatever social leverage you have to help someone get started is, is also admirable, right? So I, I, I personally like the model they set up initially, right? Um, I think that if you listen to Envy, to DJ Envy, he said that he was on the background telling the guy, hey, don't do this, don't do that, blah, 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 blah. Um, my personal take on it is it's okay to shout out your friends when they're starting their business and support them. You should do that. Right. But the same way you used people's trust for you to, uh, support them in the beginning is the way that you have to come forward when you find out things that don't line up and say, listen, I'm, I'm right now looking at the situation. I know I told you guys this thing, but I'm looking at this situation and I'm looking kind of skeptical. So you might want to be, might want to take a pause, take a beat too. If he had done that, if he had come to us, because, because basically what he did by, by bringing the guy out, he positioned himself as someone who was moving in favor of both groups, right? The public and his friend and bringing two parties together that would not have known each other together so they can, can both benefit and be better. Okay. When you're the, you're the person in the middle and you understand that one side is no longer acting in good faith, you owe it to the person you introduced them to, right? Uh, to be like, yo, this is a situation that you can no longer, I can't, I can no longer vouch for this situation. And he didn't do that because he didn't do that. That's what's going to be the, the thing that comes back and, and bites him. Because in some sense, he betrayed the public's trust when he said, this is a good dude. And then when he found out it wasn't a good dude and he said nothing, now you're complicit. What do you think, SNL? Well, actually, that's where I was going with that, was that he was, um, at the minimum, he's complicit because of his influence. And one of the first things I thought about was the mob. Back in the day, if you came, you brought somebody into the fold and you vouched for that person and the mob took him in. It was like, okay. And then that person messed up. The mob basically um, had, using the term pushing daisies. <laughs> The mob basically put um, the person down in addition to the person who vouched for them, right? Mm. It was like, you know what? I can't trust your judgment, so you got to go down too. So not only is you pushing, um, using, you know, anyways, use pushing Daisy, use pushing Daisy too. Now that Everybody's pushing Daisy. Everybody's pushing you know, Daisy. they didn't use those terms, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they could have been like, you know, get them a cement block. I don't know. This is, of course, is coming from watching mob stories on TV or whatever way they basically did somebody, right? <laughs> whatever way they put them down. So um, what happened because he didn't come out and say, hey, I thought he was a good guy and um, 
because of this, I understand my credibility may be shot as well because I vouched for him. I promoted him and then I proceeded not to say anything. So you know how they say silence is complicit, you know. Um, and so I think him staying silent on this matter or to the degree that he is, um, isn't a good look. And to be honest, I think his credibility should be slightly shot. I'm not saying that it has to go all the way down. It's not like this dude was Epstein or anything, but um, <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, it sounds up to 100 million, right? 80 million. Yeah, million. Was, it may I not mean, be Epstein numbers, but those are not small numbers, y'all. Those are not small numbers. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do believe that um, legally he may not be held liable. Um, as far as for crimes and whatnot against humanity, so to speak, or against the folks who were who had um, who were defrauded. But I think he may be end up with some civil litigation later on down the line because he was basically the one who promoted this guy. He was the one who elevated him. And while I recognize this his friend and I'm a big fan too. that friends have friends. You know, if I got a platform and you need a platform, then come on my platform. Let's let's do this together. Let's build together. But at the same time. He should have recognized along the way, especially if Jay, what you said is true, that he was telling him, like, yo, this may not be what you need to do. Then at some point, he should have been divesting himself from the business aspect if he wanted to maintain his friendship aspect and his credibility to the public. So, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a couple of different pieces here, right? Um, so I saw a clip where Envy said that he had reached out to the Desert Storm family right? DJ Clue, I think Joe Budden, whoever, <clears throat> and told him about this real estate opportunity. And Joe Budden told him explicitly, this is a Ponzi scheme and you're going to go to jail. Like immediately upon <laughs> Joe uh, uh, Envy mentioning this, this is a clip that came out. It was Envy's own words. And he said he had talked to Joe and Joe said, yo, this is a Ponzi scheme. You're going to go to jail. That's what Joe said before any of this developed. This was like very, very early on and how pressing it was for Joe to say that because look at the situation that we're in now. So when we talk about doing business with friends, sometimes you do reach out to your friends about a business opportunity and they tell you, hey, man, this is a Ponzi scheme. You're going to go to jail. And maybe it's important to listen to that friend, right? Because it, now look at the situation that you're in, right? I do agree that, yes, you know, promoting doing business with friends is great. However, there are challenges of doing business with friends because sometimes holding your friend accountable can get in the way of your relationship if it gets in the way of your business, right? So that's going to be some challenges too. We can't, we got to speak to the challenges of those situations. But for me, it's like, bro, did you, how well did you know him? I think we're assuming that they were really good friends and maybe they grew up together or whatever, but my friend would not put me in a situation they're doing a Ponzi scheme. My friend would not do that. At least not somebody that I would consider to be my friend. You dig what I'm saying? I get Envy said that he wanted to help out his community. Every time he promoted his real estate seminars, that was the type of time he was on. Um, and I and I felt like maybe that was genuine from him. And he did bring out other companies, auction.com or whatever. So it wasn't just him and, and Caesar doing this thing. He literally did bring out other organizations to, to talk to people like myself who would have showed up to the, to the seminar and want to get education about hard money loans and stuff like that. So I do kind of feel like, I don't know Envy. I feel like his heart was probably in the right place. But bro, like you got to vet people. I mean, vet, vet people, right? The minute that, to your point, Jay, the minute that you get wind of something shady going on, you got to step to that brother and make sure you correct that action. And if not, but like, yo, bro, my name is on this shit. So there's no way I'm going to sit idly by and let you move a particular type of way, right? So I think that's when you kind of become complicit. If in fact you are not um, checking someone, right? Or making sure that they're tr using your name correctly at this particular point in time, right? So um, the other thing I was going to say too was that he's in trouble. 
You know, at the end of the day, like if you raid my job, I'm going to be concerned about losing that job, you know, because I brought this to my job, right? He was using iHeart's platform to promote his little side hustle. And it turns out his side hustle was involved in a Ponzi scheme, right? That's that's problematic, bro. And then on top of that, and last but not least, in the hip hop culture that we live in, right? And I know times are changing as far as ratting or telling on somebody, but DJ Envy is going to have to rat. He's going to have to tell. I mean, he's going to have to tell everything that he's he knows. Huh? <laughs> I mean, I mean, listen, DJ Envy's a grown man. He's a family man. He's a businessman. Nobody's saying he's a thug or anything like that. But we got to be honest that even within the culture, there's an apprehension of this idea of snitching, right? Even when, like, it could be a neighbor, old lady sees a little boy get shot, that's snitching if she tells the police, which is not technically right because she's a civilian and she should be able mm-hmm. to call law enforcement to help her. But at the same time, if Envy was either aware or involved and he decides to turn on Caesar, that is technically snitching. You know what I'm saying? And I just wonder how much of his career, once this all plays out, will he have left? Um, for his sake, I hope that he does the right thing by those who have been victimized in terms of, you know, being honest and truthful, even if it does involve snitching and uh, just trying to make people whole because there's a lot of people who lost a lot of money and, um, and, and he bears some responsibility for that because he was the one that brought this brother to the fore. And there's a lot of people who trusted him and then gave Caesar that extra trust. So he has to be held accountable in some way, shape, or form. Um, DJ Envy, if you're watching this, do the right thing, man. It's okay to snitch. That doesn't make you a bitch. Do the right thing. <laughs> it's my public service announcement to DJ Envy. SNM, you got anything else? We're going to move along to our next topic. <laughs> Doing the right thing. I love it. Um, so <laughs> hashtag Spike Lee. <laughs> so speaking of doing the right thing, do you guys think Kim K is doing the right thing? She hired a Manny. And the reason why she hired her Manny was because she said she wanted some masculine energy in her household. What kind of and energy said What kind of incident? What kind of energy said it one more time? What kind of energy? Man. Okay. As opposed to feminine. And so um <laughs> <laughs> she said that, and I, I was just, I was, first of all, when I first heard this, I, my first thought was, hey, hire the Manny. Cool. You know, there are men who are nannies who need employment. Cool. But then when she went on to expound about the masculine energy is the reason why she hired a Manny, I was like, okay, now you're starting to sound suspect. But it also raised other concerns and questions that I had within our community. When she claimed that she was hiring this for masculine energy purposes, um, basically, is she now saying that Kanye West is not providing that masculine energy for her kids? And if so, does that mean he's a absentee father? I don't know. It raised all type of questions, but more importantly, it raised a question about the importance of masculine energy in the home. So I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. So I'll say this, right? Um, it seems like she's saying that Kanye has not manned up, you know? Uh, as far as being a father, although we hear the contrary, that he wants to be a father, right? I feel like she might be a little manipulative, right? You see where I'm going here? Uh, in terms of putting certain things out in the public and just how she runs her life, right? The whole Kardashians are manipulators from day one, right? Starting with the sex tape and even probably before that, right? But, but I tried to go with the little man thing, but I think I'm out of men. Anyways, pause. Um, so speak, speaking to the topic, I agree with you though, SM. 
on the one hand, okay, I get that you need to have some help. So it could be a nanny or a manny, right? And you know, if it's if you're talking about a boy, I think a manny is okay. I think I'd have concerns about it if I had like a little girl, for example. Um, you know, you're changing diapers. I mean, it just depends. Like, like when I take my kid to daycare, it's nothing but like women in there. And I just thought, like, I was like, well, why aren't there any men or guys working here, right? And you know, we talk about changing diapers. I don't know. I just don't. I just feel like it's one of those fields that have been dominated and continues to be dominated by women, which which makes a lot of sense to a certain extent, right? Because as a father, if I had a daughter, would I feel comfortable with my wife having a manny, right? Maybe not. But if it's a boy, maybe I get it, right? Other thing I was going to say though too was that she's surrounded by nothing but women, like in her household around the people that she seems to be around, like all her sisters, you know, her moms and stuff, all her girlfriends. So I can get the logic of, you know what, somebody who's going to be here with me day in and day out, it would help to have a male figure. I do understand that. Kanye is a global superstar. He's constantly touring, he's traveling, sometimes he's off his meds. So it's kind of hard to really pinpoint. And I I guess I can see why she would have some concern about his availability to a certain extent, because let's be honest, Kanye has been all over the place these last couple of years. And I don't know how reliable he is in terms of being there for the kids. So if you want to hire a Manny, um, I, I think that's okay. I just think I would have a problem with it, to your point, SNM, that it would intimate that I'm not doing enough. Um, that would be the number one reason. The other reason would be is, you know, is there any other things going on? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, is this a way for her to have relationships or have relations with somebody who's close and keep it under, you know, keep it tucked? And then in that case, depending on how, how you know, how long it's been since we've been separated, I don't know that I want my kids to see that. The whole Pete Davidson thing happened not too long ago, and I can only imagine how difficult that was for Kanye. But at the same time, Kim was like, yo, I deserve a little happiness. And, you know, she, I think he, Pete Davidson even had the little girl sitting on his lap or some shit like that. And that became like a little story or whatever. So whenever you're involving men in your household, I just think you have to be very careful. It's it's a potential landmine. But listen, man, Kim K is going to do Kim K. So that's pretty much all I got on that. So I kind of understand her. I understand the given rationale in that I do think it's very challenging for a woman who, to raise a young man uh, to be to to teach him how to how to correctly build and channel his masculine energy when he's in a uh, environment that is overly populated with women and also controlled by women. So he's in a very estrogen-rich, estrogen-oriented environment, and he's got this testosterone, which everybody else isn't really navigating on or with, right? And so I I was watching a video where uh, one of the boys, they're they're walking to a restaurant or something, and the boy looks at the paparazzi and he flips it off, right? And she tells him like, "Don't flip off the paparazzi." The dude's like, "Oh, whatever." So she walks on, and he's like, he does it again or whatever. And she says something, walks in. I, I I'm I'm watching evidence of her inability to to address that masculine energy in a way that's effective by herself. Okay, I think I've seen some evidence of that. Uh, which is, but like you said, Nick, Kanye says he wants to be there, right? He says he wants to see his kids. He's telling Elon, Elon Musk they're not friends anymore because Elon won't use Twitter slash X to help get Kim back with him. I don't know how Elon does that. Well, maybe something with the Skylink. DMs. Army. DMs. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but I still have to say, so Kanye wants to be there. Right, he wants to be that male energy. But for whatever reason, he's being overlooked. To Nick's point, maybe there's another reason. Maybe 
this is her way of having some on-demand D, right? That the media won't be trying to make her be in a relationship with, but she can take this guy everywhere she goes and he's on the payroll. So if they split, she ain't worried about alimony or none of that. You know what I'm saying? She give him his severance pay and then some packing. She can be like Jay-Z trying girls out right now. She just auditioning them, right? She can see how they interact with the kids without people going, oh, you're bringing too many strange men around your kids. Now she has a legitimate excuse and a way to navigate this, uh, this you know, pool of men that she's pulling from to provide the energy to her sons that for some reason she won't allow her their father to give them. Let's just let that sink in. Let that make sense. And if that can make sense to you, then explain it to me in the comments because I frankly don't get it. SNM, what do you think? Well, so that's what one of my problems. First, let me just run this back. You you said something. So I'm just curious. Do you be watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians? No, but my wife, right? Oh, it's your wife again. She loves the Kardashians, right? But here's why she loves it. Because she always tells me, she goes, Chris, uh, Jenner, right? Chris Jenner? Yeah. Her first Jenner, yeah. yeah. Chris Jenner took nothing. She was nobody. And now all of her children are billionaires. They they got nothing. famous. They got say, she was the wife of a football player. She was the wife of a few people. Yeah. But she had some. The people she was a wife to, like for instance, what's his name? Um Caitlyn Jenner now? Caitlyn was was not doing well when he mm-hmm. first got with her, right? He had done the Olympics thing, but his star was not on the rise. They started doing infomercials or something, but from day one, Chris had a plan. He was videotaping them kids when they was like, yay high, like, like three years old or whatever, whatever. They were already doing the home videos. They were performing. They were already, they were already shooting the Kardashian show before they got the deal. Like Chris had a long-term view. Right. So she's one of the people that so for that reason, my wife looks up to her in the sense of of creating a brand uh, name, creating a brand after you've created the name as opposed to creating a name that. Uh, yeah, creating a brand that then gives you your name. Hope I explained that right. But it's her rags to riches kind of scrappy little. We really don't have any real reason to be famous, but somehow now we're famous and we're famous for being famous. And kind of now we're in that will. Right. So uh-huh. uh, I think for that reason, she looks up to them. I personally, I'm not, I, I'm not a big fan of anything that is uh, estrogen dominated. Um, uh, not really. Well, yet you watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. No, no, I don't watch. Okay, just, I saw, I saw the clip. The little boy flipping off the the, the reporters on like my, my bro, right? Conveniently, right. you saw that clip. Yeah, okay. I, one clip out of all the clips you could have saw. I have a very, I have a memory that holds on to lots of stuff, man. Don't judge me for that. I don't even know when I saw okay. it. it. It was a couple of weeks ago, but that's sure, not important. Sure, that's one. Yeah, okay, sure, sure. So, yeah, um, I got to remote sometimes. That's good. That's good couple maintenance right there. You know what I mean? It can't but you do watch it. All you had to admit was that you watched the show. Yes, that's wrong, my brother. <laughs> All I'm in the room. Wow, this this just took a lot for you to admit that you watched. Okay, you in the room while the show is on, and you so happen to see this one clip out of all the clips that you could have possibly seen. That's well, okay, I got you. You don't watch. Don't let me be an observant. You 
you in the row. I got you. I got you. We'll keep your secret and everybody else who's tuned in that you watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. We'll keep it a secret. We won't tell nobody else. We'll let you live in your delusion, aka alternate facts, and um, let it roll like that. You may not like watching it, but you do watch it. So to answer the question. Yes, please. You, I mean, how long are we going to berate my guy about watching? Wait, you put on a, it was this defense of it. I'm like, you like what you like. That's I watch more, Love Hip Hop Atlanta you know? from time to time. I'm yeah, like, see, look, sure. see how Nick just owned up onto it? He was yeah. like, yeah, I like some messy ass shit. So, yeah. you know, it's okay. But um, I it find is, it interesting. Yeah, I think the world was distracted by her red herring of me watching Kardashians, which I don't. Okay? Right. I'm just saying, if Kim want to have a little handy manny, then that's up to her. You know what I mean? It's all good. Do what you do, girl. A handy manny. Okay, so... I, I'm going to say that I agree <laughs> that there it does, like I said earlier, it has some questions as far as what does this mean in regards to masculine energy in the house when it pertains to the kids and just focusing on the children themselves, right? Not focusing on what the Manny can do for Kim, but what they can do for the kids. And I'm just curious, does that mean their uncles aren't around? Does that mean that their significant others, there's no cousins? So I'm just trying to figure out why was it and does the Manny even have the authority? And if so, is she planning on investing that type of authority within him to discipline or whatever that masculine energy may show up in her children, right? So I'm just curious as to, is it really, and this is why I was a little suspect and kind of leaning towards the handy Manny part too, because <laughs> will this, this Manny really have the authority to take action for something like that kid flipping off her son, flipping off the paparazzi app? Is he going to turn around and say, didn't your mother say don't do that? Like, what is his authority in that situation? And then also, what what does that say about the rest of the men in that in the Kardashian circle if they're not enough masculine energy? And then also, what does it say about the father? Now, yes, Kanye has some issues, mental issues, bipolar, everything. And but it brings me to the community too, because like there's a lot of people who watch that show. And if they're seeing that it's all it's easy to replace that father energy, because that's what I'm viewing as part of that masculine energy. If it's that easy to replace that father energy with a manny, then why can't the boyfriend boyfriend serve as a stand-in for that masculine energy? Why can't the neighbor down the street stand in for that masculine energy versus recognizing the importance of the father um, being around for his children? And so that's where some of my concerns are. But I think that is the case though. Like, so there, you know, even though we talk about the whole single mother thing in our community, there are coaches who step in and become like, the, the male figure to a certain extent, mm -hmm. right? Especially when you talk about sports who do also provide a certain level of discipline, right? There are guys who do step up and help to fill that role, right? But it's not quite the same, right? Because it's not like a full-time person living with you and obviously you don't share, you know, gene genetics, right? And so kids are quick to say, oh, you're not my real daddy, right? So there's always that kind of pushback. So, <clears throat> but I think if you're talking about the larger community, I don't think this is a model that most people are going to be able to afford. Let's keep it a buck, right? I mean, Manny is expensive, right? So that's something that's an option for most people. I do think it does speak to the need for male figures in the home or at mm -hmm. least in a kid's lives and mothers who don't have that because sometimes you don't have a bunch of brothers. So there's not a bunch of uncles to a certain extent, right? Um, sometimes you don't have a lot of people within the community that you're close with like that. So I do think it's important for moms who find themselves in those situations to cultivate relationships 
with, you know, whether it's their brothers, whether it's family members, whether it's a coach, whether it's somebody at the school, right? Um, she has to make a concerted effort for him to have a male figure in his life, right? But I just don't think the Manny is going to be the option. Now, going back to Kim K, she has the money and she can afford to do that. Um, but, you know, for example, like when my kid, they don't discipline kids. Well, at least they don't discipline my kid uh, in daycare, right? They try to redirect them when they have a certain type of negative uh, interaction. So they're throwing a fit. They try to redirect their energy a certain type of way. But like this whole discipline thing, nah. So I don't think a Manny is necessarily going to be able to discipline Kim's kids or nor should he, but he can certainly guide his actions. Like, hey, didn't your mom tell you not to do that? Right. And have like real conversations with him. Um, and there's other ways that men can model behavior without it being disciplined to a certain extent. Right? I don't want the idea that the only purpose of men, not saying that's what you were saying, SNM, but I think sometimes. Yeah, it was not men, what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's the idea, but it's the idea that like the whole discipline piece I was kind of speaking mm -hmm. to because I thought that was mentioned. Um, you can still be a, a positive male role model in somebody's life without disciplining them. I don't think it's the Manny's place. I don't think it's the daycare worker's place to discipline your children. That's you as a parent and maybe like family members who you're comfortable with and obviously the father. So it's not like Kanye is missing altogether. And I think that's the other thing that we got to be mindful of too, that in real life, some of these relationships, the father is around, right? And it's incumbent on that mother to hopefully create a, a co-parenting dynamics where the father can come around, see his kid and be a part of his kid. Because the worst thing is when a mother actively works to keep the father away from that child and then complain about why that father was not in that child's life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's like the worst. You dig what I'm saying? But other than that, man, listen, I wish him the best. If a man is going to be what she needs, girl, get you a Manny and a Patty, okay? Uh, <laughs> whatever you need. Maybe she got a Manny, right. Manny cut we have Huh? I said, maybe she got a Manny okay. because she's Patty. See what I did there? <laughs> I like that one. Okay, you. she got a manny because she's petty. I like it. I like it. We'll be here all week, y'all. Um, any, anything else on this topic before we move on? Just, so the last thing I would say is that she expressed some concerns with admitting that she hired a manny because she was afraid of Kanye reaction. And so I also think that speaks to a little bit about that dynamic of that masculine energy and her purpose of having that masculine energy in the home if she acknowledged that the father may have concerns with this and his concerns may actually rest more on safety issues. I'm sure she vetted this guy and but if he had a problem with his daughter sitting on Keith Davidson lap, then surely he's gonna have a problem with another man taking care of his children, period. And so I think that there may be some safety concerns that a father may express. But either way it goes, I agree with um, Nick. She has the money to do what she needs to do. If that involves having a Manny or in Jay's case, a handy Manny, <laughs> then do you. Yes. Yeah, speaking of doing them, right? So I was watching uh, another podcast and I, it was Tyrese and he was talking about his ex, Samantha Lee, right? They were together, I think, for five years. Um, and he would talk about how, like, when he met her, she had on, like, a $12 sundress. And the reason why he mentioned that was because she wasn't really about the money. Like, she was just a beautiful woman who had her own situation. And so she signed this whole prenup or whatever. It was such a good prenup that I think Tyrese was like, you know, lawyer, people were so so surprised that she signed it. But the whole thing was that she was never really about the money, which is why she signed it. Anyways, um, it sounded like to me that he still had feelings for her, even though he's moved on to a different relationship. But recently, Samantha Lee was on a podcast and she talked about mm, things that she might have done differently that could have ended up 
leading to the end of the relationship. Let me play this clip real quick and we'll go on the other side. If I had different people in my ear at that time, I would not have made that decision. No, I wouldn't. And that's the truth. I, um, I try my very best at this point in my life to be what I didn't have in that moment. Um, because I think that I was, women were like, I'm an extremely emotional person. People that know me know that about me. I'm the kind of person that like, okay, I feel so strong and I can ruminate. I can get so lost in my thoughts. I know a lot of women are like that. Like we're a lot, not all of us, right? But some of us are just like a lot of men can be like that. But I know women specifically, I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to be done. I can't stand this. He don't do this. He don't do that. Blah, 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 blah. We're just focusing on these things. And because you don't have, you don't have a certain um, person in your life to say, to check you and say, sis, what about this? What about this? What about these strengths? What about what he's not doing? What like those types of things? Um, that's that can that can get you thinking about the positive aspects of this person that you may not be thinking about when you're upset. You're only thinking about what you're mad about. Yeah. So that was her thoughts, and I really wanted to cover this because I think. She brought up some really excellent points. So what do you guys think uh, in regards to her commentary? And how large of a problem do you think this is in our community? So let me jump on this one <laughs> as a woman. Pause. Never mind. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Esther. <SNL. laughs> I blame Jay for this. That's <laughs> <laughs> also what she said. But so I think this is valid. She has some valid points. And to be honest, when I got married, um, one, I I won't say I snuck and did it, but it did come as a surprise because I actually had. So I ended up eloping, um, even though I had a date in mind and everything. And but throughout the relationship, I had various people in my ears telling me that, oh, he's too controlling or he's this or he's that. And I think that um, sometimes we have to be able to filter out, filter out the information that we're receiving because not all information is good information, nor does it benefit you. Um, there was people who, when I got married, were shocked that I got married at the age of 21 and was like, why would you even get married? Why did you do this? And why that? You're too young. You're too this. You're too that. And um, to the point where it was almost where I wanted to listen because it was coming from so many different directions and so many people. I said, well, maybe I did mess up. Maybe I wasn't supposed to get married at this age. And um, but in the end, I followed my own intuition. I followed my own heart and was like, no, I made this choice and I didn't make this choice lightheartedly. And so therefore, let me stand in this choice and work through whatever issues we may have. So one of the lessons that I learned, one of the very first lessons was to keep people out my business. <laughs> so what happens in the house stays in the house. I don't run really and tell people um, after my lesson learned. I don't really run and tell people about my relationship per se, unless it's something. And if I do, it's only somebody who I really trust, who I know is objective and doesn't have a burden to fight, so to speak, to be for misery loves company, right? Because there's such things as where they say misery loves company. And so if you're a married woman and your entire circle is single, and of course, at the first sign of stuff, they're going to hype up the single life. They're going to hype up what you should have done 
And so you need to surround yourself with like-minded people so that if you do come across a situation that you want to expound on or share, then you're already sharing within a group who may have similar experiences. And this is honestly why I don't think single, all these single podcasts, single people podcasts, um, shouldn't speak on marriage because none of them been married. <laughs> or if they were married, it was like a heartbeat of a marriage. Mm. And and they barely had any long-term relationships. As a matter of fact, most of the podcasters aren't even in relationships themselves mm. while they're speaking on relationships. So be careful who you take advice from because those people are literally wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm. Shots fired. That's right. You Life heard it right. We ain't backing up off of that. We want all the smoke. Okay? <laughs> go ahead, Mr. Dem. I mean, talk your talk, girl. But go ahead, Jay. <laughs> Put all the smoke over here. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm a, I want to to back up what SNM was saying in, in that a, a person who's never been to Mars can't tell me how to live on Mars. Now, you may be able to tell me how not to die on Mars. Maybe. Right, you know some things about the temperature or whatever, this and this and that. But you can't tell me how to live and sustain myself in a place you've never been. Just you just can't. You don't have any awareness of that. I, I think that at the heart of what she was saying was a lack of maturity, a lack of maturity in terms of how she dealt with him. Right? She said, you know, I can just gotta get get into myself and just gotta get carried away, and I'm just feeling this, and that's something you gotta know about yourself, right? Because your partner doesn't even know that about you until you either walk it out for them or talk it out for them. So, you know, it's, it's hard to be in a healthy relationship if you're not aware of your own, what's the word, habits and tendencies, be they helpful or unhelpful, and the ways you tend to move in a relationship. you got to be able to step back from yourself and view yourself objectively. And if you can't do that, then you need people in your circle who are doing that. I think what she did in the early part when she was being immature about it was to go to people who were going to tell her what confirmed her bias, her emotional bias at the time, and not to tell her what was good in her long-term best interest. They were that she dealt with, she she went and got advice from people who were who were used to speaking to her at a peak of her emotional uh, spectrum as opposed to dealing with what she needed on the baseline, right? Sometimes people, you you know, I can tell you for a fact, my wife has told me, she's like, oh, I was so mad at you. And I was so da-da-da-da-da. And I called this person and she's like, I called my friend. My friend was like, no, girl, he's a good man. Don't do that, girl. You tripping. We need him. You keep him. We need him. Right? So this is not the same person I'm traveling with. Anyway, that's all about story. So my point here is, though, uh, a good friend will let you know when you're tripping, right? And they won't just take you back to it. You remember you said you were sick of it, so, you know, here we go again. I, I think that's what she fell into. I think she was allowing other people to dictate the narrative for her relationship in a way that that looked right to them, as opposed to thinking about what's best for her as a person and and in our, in our highest ideals when she's not feeling emotional right when she's not uh off swinging really hard in one direction or another on this emotional pen, pendulum like where's her sweet spot and what does she need you need friends who look who are looking out for you in that capacity not what is your emotional reaction to the moment like what is the remedy for the moment but what do we need long term right 
Um, so I, I completely think that um, I hate that she had this revelation now as opposed to earlier when she could have saved a marriage. I'm glad that she's sharing it. I think um, you really got to be careful who you take counsel from. You really should only talk to people about your relationship who are invested in either both of you uh, or they are invested in your in your your being a success, right? Uh, because if their investment is anywhere else, they can't help but put interest and resources and double down on where their investment is. So they're investing in y'all going out for girls' night every Thursday. It's two single women. They're going to give you the kind of advice that has you out with them every Thursday night for girls' night. Because that's that's what they think y'all that your best representation or your, your, you guys work best doing. So if their goals of happiness for you don't align with your goals of happiness for you long term. Check who you're getting counsel from, because you know all, all all advice and good advice, even if it tends to go with how you feel in the moment. What do you think? So I'll say this: um, I think one of the things that my friends appreciate about me when they whenever they would come to me for counsel is that I don't automatically take their side. Oftentimes, I will ask them questions because I want them to first be accountable for their own choices and their own decisions first before. Cause it's so easy to be like, yeah, girl, I can't believe he did that. Right. And, and I think a lot of times I hate to say this, women do that, right. They'll kind of get into this like girl code frame of mind and not be able to push back and say, nah, sis, you wildin'. You know what I'm saying? You got you a good one. Right. So Jay, you had a woman who did that. Right. But I think some women get so caught up in the sister code thing, or sometimes it's jealousy. Sometimes it's like you're there's misery loves company, right? A lot of times women, I think, will give women information or advice that's not beneficial to the person they're giving the advice to, but it feels like it's more beneficial to the person giving the advice, right? Because now I can have my single girlfriend to go back out with or whatever, or I don't have to feel so crappy because my girl got a beautiful man over there and having a wonderful life and we don't, right? So for me as a friend, I'm the type of person that will always come. So, so how did you feel? Like, what did you do? What was your responsibility in the situation? And my friends come to me because they know I will give them, I'm not going to be just automatically their cheerleader, right? Because that's not, I think, what a good friend does. Like, there's times where you're supposed to support your friends. Sometimes support is just listening. So you don't even have to advise to be a good friend. Sometimes just being there for them in their moment, right? Girl, mm, cry on my shoulder. I'm not saying cry on my shoulder because if she cried on my shoulder, then it'd be a, to ride on later. But the, that's not the point. The point that I'm saying is, is that just being there for them can be enough as a friend. But when you start to get into this whole advice thing, you got to really check yourself and ask yourself, where's this advice coming from? And for me, thank God, number one, I'm in a happy place. I want to see other people happy, right? So I don't have that type of misery loves company type of energy. So when my friends come to me, I'm always trying to find solutions. I'm always trying to help them see something differently, you know, because ultimately that person is the only person that can maybe take whatever you give them and act on it, right? If I give it, so because I feel like a lot of times in relationships, people aren't accountable. You can, I can only change I can only change my actions. I can only control what I do, right? So maybe in a given situation, even if I'm wronged, I can still control how I respond to being wronged, right? So when I talk yeah. to people, it's from that mindset of, okay, this person did this. Let's find out if there are some other things because here's the other thing. A lot of times friends don't tell you the full story. They'll come to you and give you about 75% of the story where it's mostly the part that I guess bolsters how they feel. They'll leave out the other 25%, which could be important factual information for the person who's trying to give advice, right? But so it's not even the friend's fault all the time that they're giving you bad advice. Sometimes it's your fault for not giving them all the information. If you're going to go to them 
anyways, try to at least give them as much information as possible. But if you're giving them information to make it seem like, oh, this man is that horrible, then of course they're going to respond that way because that's the only information that you gave them. Right. And so anyways, the, one of the one of the main reasons why I really wanted to play this clip. So for all you women out there who are watching or listening to this podcast, please rewind if necessary. Go find it. Right. What you're hearing is a woman who was married to to Tyrese and they both seem to still have love for each other. Right. But now after the divorce, she is ruminating about how she messed up because she was too busy listening to other people. Some of y'all need to hear that message. OK, some of y'all are in decent relationships are trying to make it work, but you're too busy listening to the wrong people. They say a smart person learns from their own mistake, but a wise person learns from the mistake of others. Uh-huh. And so I definitely wanted to play this clip because, you know, we're all pro-marriage here. We often talk about the divorce rates and how it's women who are the first ones to file. Matter of fact, I heard Tyrese say he was hurt because of how easily she left him. She was the one that filed for divorce. Right. He's I mean, this this interview that he had was a couple of months ago. He's still feeling the pain. He couldn't even finish the album that he was working on because emotionally it was too much. And for what? Because Shorty was too busy listening to other people who didn't have any true impact on their relationship. Y'all, let's learn from other people's mistake and be as wise as possible. That's all I got. on. We're going to move on. Sounds like that was a, a great point. Put a pin in it. <laughs> 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 hey, it is hot. Anytime. Sometimes it just all goes back to one. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) I guess that was a great leeway to sometimes go back to one. Um, Speaking of one, Brian McKnight is back in the news. And so it's, I find it so fascinating what he's doing. So we talked about masculine energy earlier and I'm kind of questioning if Brian McKnight is experiencing um, a little bit of lack of masculine energy of his own. I don't know. I don't know. Let me not even go there um, because that's not why I brought it up. So (laughs) anyway, you just went there. Go ahead. (laughs) So Brian McKnight recently had, um, changed his last name or changed his name to match his son's name. And I find it, or his latest son with his new wife. And there's been, he's also on his own. Let's reveal some type of stuff all through, you know, like, so basically he has, um, what it was it? Oh, so he basically stated that he's never been in love. His current wife is the wife he's now in love with. Um, all his love songs was not about his previous wife. And he also stated that the, his kids were estranged from him first. He didn't estrange from them. But it's interesting that he has this amount of animosity and hate to me simply because um there was claims of domestic abuse and violence in the relationship earlier. And um, this also contributed to partially why they were divorced and whatnot. And so I'm just interested in hearing you guys' thoughts in regards to the Brian McKnight situations, his estranged kids or his estrangement from his kids, his extra actions. And I'm going to go ahead and label him as petty, his extra petty actions. And is he really operating within his masculine energy? I'm just going to have to put it out there still because <laughs> I just need to know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, okay. So there's a lot. There's a lot here, but not really, right? So he has an album coming out. I think it's called like Lullabies by McKnight or something. Like basically it's a it's a it's an album of songs that he's dedicating to his kid. I guess that you can listen to your with your kids. I don't know. But he changed his name, right? Now his previous son, maybe his firstborn son or whatever, was also a junior. 
So I don't know. Like, I think he changed his name to match his current son's name, right? Which is wow. Um, and yeah, to your point, he's estranged. I'm not really sure what to make of it. Cause like on the on the one hand, you would hope that a father would be able to work through whatever issues that they have with their children. Let's put the wife to the side for a second. Okay. I get that sometimes you're going to have issues and challenges, but the back and forth with his children is heartbreaking, right? As a new father myself, I would have to sit there and imagine what could my son do for me to like disown him like that? You know what I'm saying? I don't think there's much. We want to talk about unconditional love. I think I have unconditional love for my child. Now, if they do something that's fucked up, does that mean they have to be in their lives or whatever? But I think having unconditional love means on some level, you give them a little bit of grace. On some level, like, I get that I may not interact with you, but do I need to make everything fucking public? Do I need to remind y'all I don't fuck with y'all? Like, there there doesn't seem to be that love there for him between his kids. I guess literally there's no love lost. And that's the saddest part of this story for me. It's like, dude, you are a father. I get that y'all relationship wasn't the greatest. Maybe they did some things. like, But you are the adult. You're the one who has the world experiences. So unfortunately, you literally have to be the bigger man. And he's being anything anything other than like he's coming across very small, um, very petty, right? Even if he has legitimate concerns, there is just better ways to deal with that and especially more private ways to kind of deal with it. So I don't have much sympathy for Brian McKnight because he seems to be good and he seems to letting us let the world know how good he is with his whole new family. But nigga, you was married to a woman. You said, I do too. You wrote them songs. She probably was the inf- inspiration for some of that. You had kids with this woman, okay? One day on your deathbed, you may very well have a lot of regrets on how you lived this life as it relates to your kids. So listen, Brian McKnight, my brother, bro, if you truly are good with your new wife and your new family, then you wouldn't be acting this way. You know what I'm saying? Not constantly shooting at and shitting on your previous family, bro. You know what I'm saying? It's not a good look. I don't know who the fuck you think is over here co-signing the bullshit that you're doing. Nobody is saying that you can't feel how you feel, but the way that you're conducting yourself in a very public matter, dare I say, reminds me of Jada. It's messy, right? It's problematic. And and unlike Jada doing it to Will, you're doing this to yourself, bro. It's not a good look. Stop it and get over it and work through your shit, man. And keep your shit private if nothing else, man. That's all I got on it. Yeah. Uh, so I personally uh, grew up as a Brian McKnight fan. I used several of his songs to serenade some girls I was interested in. And uh, as a young man, you know what I'm saying, trying to work on my game, you know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, I was on Brian McKnight, man, Brian McKnight. Um, but having watched him move, I, I think he's a, he's a really good example of someone who – who has really aligned, who is, who has conflated himself with his brand, right? So that his ability to navigate and respond to life is, is envisioned primarily through the lens of how this will affect, affect his brand or he, how he's presented. I think that's one of the reasons he felt so wronged by his family is domestic violence allegations. Cause I'm like, you're like, yo, this is not who, who the world knows me to be. And then he goes and he changes his name. And I'm like, if you're worried about your legacy, right, you got to stop going in the past and revising it. You got to stop. Like, you can't even move. You can't move forward when you're still digging around in the past. You just can't. 
You know, to if anybody who's driving forward while looking backwards is headed for a collision, you're headed for a problem um, because your focus doesn't match your intent. Or if it does, your movement doesn't match your intent. Your momentum doesn't match your, your intent and your focus. And, it, and so, you know, it's, it's problematic. I do think it was, I don't know if it's publicity stunt, publicity stunt, if it was just passive aggressive for him to change his name to the new baby's name. And I hope the new baby doesn't do anything to offend him because Lord knows what Brian will call himself then. Uh, but uh, going forward, man, <laughs> you just got to give people, you know, you, you, you stop. We, we, some, so many times we want this legacy for ourselves and we want to be remembered a certain way. But the only people who are going to remember you, the people who will remember you the most are the people who are closest to you in your lives, like your families and the people who love you. And those are the ones that you would hope will remember you correctly good, bad, in between, flaws, draws, and alls. And just, and so. You just got to give them, like Nick said, you got to give them grace, man. Your legacy is not what the world thinks of you in a moment. Your legacy is what you did as a body of work for your life. That's your legacy. And it won't always be great. And it won't always be putting you in the best light. Lord knows. I've already said some things in this pod, uh, on this podcast or some pre- or the, the, the seven before that are not going to put me in the best light. Right? But who cares? <laughs> you know? I am who I am today because I made it through those things and I learned from those things. I took what was good and I tried to leave out the bad from it. This is what it is. For me to deny the who for me to deny the parts of me that have led up to being me is for me to deny a part of myself. And I'm not saying you gotta, you know, own everything, tell everybody everything, give your whole life story, every particular detail. But as we begin this this new idea of deleting aspects of ourselves as though they never existed, we run the risk of deleting the lessons that we learned from them, the things that actually made us grow and shaped us. And I think I think if, if you want to know how how problematic that is, ask us ask yourself, how does it affect black people in America that our cultural history and roots were deleted from us? That's what my concern was. Yeah, go ahead, ask them. Take it on. So my concern was that it's one thing to be angry and throw a pity party for yourself. My first question is how long is pity party going to last, right? Because at some point he does have to grow up. And the second thing was the cultural implications that he's undertaking. Like, yes, he's an individual, but when I think about our history and how we're disconnected from, at least in my family, disconnected from legacy as far as our lineage, how can you purposely destroy your lineage, your line? And because in most cultures, your health and wealth is equated to your children, right? Legacy building is all about your children. And so he, Nick, you mentioned earlier that his son, he has a junior. Well, his junior has a junior, as in his grandson is Brian McKnight Jr. as well. So they're doing that whole George Mormon thing, right? Where they are naming the children like multiple kids. And so by him changing his name, he basically disowned his grandchild too. He's disowned his entire lineage. And what type of person disown their entire lineage, especially considering the historical implications for Black Americans. Now, I'm not saying that he has to operate with the entire community, the whole of community concept in the back of his mind when he makes actions, but just individually within his own family, 
how can you do this to your children? I don't care how estranged, how mad my son has made me. There's no way that I'm going to take the fact that he's my child away from me. There's no way that I'm going to disown that lineage because that is your history. That is your legacy. And what comes from that? So he's creating this new branch with this new family. And also, the I hate to say this, but hey, I already said something that I, I technically... Anyways, with that being said, (laughs) he's already created his family. And so now I'm just like, is there a part of him that hated himself? Is there a part of him that he couldn't stand to see his own reflection that he's clinging to this other woman, a.k.a. non-black person? This my this other minority. I believe she's still a minority, if I recall correctly. But anyways, she's like that a he, Samoan or Hawaiian or yeah, something. Or, right. Yeah, right. So, it's not black though, is what you're saying. Right, exactly. Black so, woman calling out the fact that Brian McKnight, who was married to a black woman, is no longer with a black woman, but now he's over with the Samoan woman. And he's, okay, gotcha. Good, good I point. Samoans are black. Isn't the weather rocking so black? Because Samoans so are black. Some of them, so some of them do claim to be black, right? Some of them no. Some of them there do claim to be color. black. But one thing thing they will agree is that they're people of color. They won't claim. Some people claim that they're black. Some of them say, no, they're not. And go out their way, you know? (laughs) So anyway. We just wanted to claim the rock. That's all that was. Don't get it twisted. (laughs) Right. We just wanted to claim all the ethnicities on this episode. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to build a big tent. I am. SM's just tearing it apart. (laughs) <laughs> so, so anyways, so the point I'm making is, is there something in him that he hates the reflection that's staring back at him? So he went to this degree to basically co-op a whole different culture because by changing his name to the name of his uh, of his son, who has a Samoan or whatever mm-hmm. type of name it is, mm-hmm. then he's now saying that he's of that culture. So do your self-hate or whatever it is inside of yourself that you can't stand your own reflection, that you not only disowned mm-hmm. your lineage, but you're now disowning your heritage itself. And so that's that's what I'm just really concerned about. Like, I do believe he needs help. I believe he needs therapy. At this point, the entire family should get in group therapy because um, they have clearly some unresolved issues between themselves and their father. Even that's individual therapy between the father and the son or the father and the daughter and so forth. But some type of therapy healing is needed because this is an extreme measure. And when somebody take extreme measure, it could be a sign of distress. Everything's not good in the hood over that way. No, I agree so, with that real quick. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Jay. No, I, I, I was going to say real quick before we... But no, I'll pass it to you because you also can lead right into the, the the last topic, right? I just wanted to say this real quick that if I remember correctly, he has a daughter that wasn't even his biological daughter um, in this new marriage. And he had posted something about congratulations to the daughter I've always wanted or something yeah, like that, right? He did. So, so like, right? So SNM, I think you're spot on. There there seems to, see, seems to be something here, right? Um, from a self-loathing uh, from how maybe he identified before the human brain has an immense capacity to rationalize, right? So I mm-hmm. can do something and then find a way to rationalize it, right? So even if like, for example, this is me surmising, I'm not a therapist, again, go see the disclaimer, right? But let's say, for example, if he was someone who was abusive to his previous family, right? And they responded to that version of him. And because he was not able to accept accountability for what he did, he in turn lashed back, Right. But because 
that version of himself he did not like very much. Rather than do what most people, healthy people do, which is go seek therapy and work through it or whatever, he chose to delete all of it and act like it never happened, which is why we're seeing this effort. So I think, again, this is just a hypothesis, but I think you hit something on the head that, you know, when people do certain things, they got to be accountable. They got to do the work because if not, then they could be responding like Brian McKnight is apparently, which is not taking any accountability. It's everybody else's fault. It was a kid's fault. It was his wife's fault, right? And so now he got this happy family. My name if you was that fucking happy, you would not be so pressed to try to to, to convince us, the public, that you're that fucking happy. You know what I'm saying? Go sit your ass down somewhere, anywhere, anytime. Or, In your or, place. Or bring it back to one. Or no, don't bring it back to one. Just We're, we're done with you, my not brother. Really <laughs> <on>. <laughs> well, go ahead, Jay. My bad. Too many Brian and nice to keep counting, so we're not even going back to one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, wanna, I, I think you guys may, may pretty much all the points. The last thing I want to say is I think is I think going back to this idea of deleting, when you start deleting aspects of your story, you are pulling threads of truth from the fabric of reality. So st- stuff starts to unravel. Like Brian Van Knight the third is a lie now. He's a fiction. You're no longer the third. Now we don't know what to call you, third, Trey. Now you're junior. You got did you get promoted? Like, is there even a Brian McKnight Jr. anymore since apparently there is, wasn't a Brian McKnight one? Like, so, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm playing it out to, to the level of the absurd, but the point I'm making is that you just we just have, we, we, we can't, we, we have to own all of ourselves for our own sake, right? Your story is your story. Everybody's story won't be perfect. And I, I, I wish people would stop trying to fashion. Because I think what he's really mad about is the image of Brian McKnight, the name of Brian McKnight. He felt like it got tarnished, right? And rather than do the work to rebuild it, you know, and to show through his character and show over time with the people that he apparently felt, people who felt like he had wronged them, and, and instead of doing the work with those people, Right in that situation, he just wiped it off. It's like I'm, hey, I'm a new guy. That's just, that wasn't me. That's whatever. I just feel like you can you can do that all you want to, but no matter how many times you change, you're the same person. Uh, and so until you change the way you move, you'll keep ending up in the same places, no matter what you call yourself. Right. Um, speaking of changing the way you move, um, Layla. Uh, Anthony posted something about the way that couples have been showing up on social media. She asked a question. We got a clip, right? Yeah, I don't want to give you must have, Let's do the clip. You must have caught her. You must have caught a case of the S and M's because it's Lala. I think. Oh, Layla. Said. That's it. Oh, yeah, Lala. <laughs> it's a Lala. I did. Hey, hey, hey. S and M's. You type this up for me. Yeah. What is it? I'm just <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's don't be throwing me under the bus. I've been good today. All right. All right. Lala. Yeah, Sorry, Lala. Sorry. All right. Hold on. Here's a clip. Should you post your partner on social media? That was a topic that came up at a dinner I was at and everybody had different opinions on it. Like, so if you're in a relationship with somebody, should you post them on social media? A lot of guys was like, nah, I'm not gonna post my girl on social media. I don't want everybody in my business. I don't want people to know that. But then the females at the table were saying that the only reason guys don't wanna post them is because they don't want other girls to know they're in a relationship. This way, if you don't post your partner, you could still be out there doing your thing. And then a lot of girls said, I don't post my man on social media because I don't want everybody in my business. I want to protect my relationship. That's how things get messy. So like, should you post your partner on social media or should you not? Yeah, go ahead. So 
You guys heard what she had to say. There uh, clearly an argument to be made on either side. Clearly, she's had her own problems with relationships and what was posted on social media about her relationships. Do do you think there's a clear answer one way or the other, or whether or not you should post your uh, your significant other? And I and you know you y'all saw mine in the back that she got up. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah, we> <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm posting her today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think? Uh, now. So the that's first of all that's funny. I almost ran that little polycule again just for the kids and giggles. But um <laughs> and I think you can post your spouse with your or your significant other, but it has to be done tastefully, right? So if you're that person who's posting a thousand times your significant other and then you wonder why this person may, you know, cheat or whatever the case may be, because you're constantly posting visibility. I found that a lot of times the people who post their spouse all the time really aren't happy in their relationship and they're posting because they're window dressing. And so that's something. And so if you're window dressing and posting, then I'm pretty sure social media doesn't really necessarily affect your relationship. But if you're in a serious committed relationship, then you need to post responsibly. So in my case, I have for the SM Jones platform. My husband, I do post him, but not often. And the reason why is because he asked me not to. He preferred that I don't post him as much because he's a private individual and he wants to live privately, of course. And so, and even on his own social media, he doesn't have a lot of pictures of himself because he feels it's somewhat of an invasion of privacy, right? As far as giving somebody complete and total access to your life, even if it's just through pictures and stories. And so, I think it's okay to post, just post responsibly. Now, as far as uh, when do you do it, I think that's up to the couple. So if you're so pressed to be on the social media site to say that we're in a relationship after three months or six months or whatever the case may be, and your significant other is saying, no, I don't think I need to post you, then there may be some concerns there. There may be the fact that that Maybe it's not as long-term as you thought it was, or maybe there's not a commitment involved that you thought there was. Maybe you're in a situationship versus a relationship, and that's why you're not being posted. So have a conversation. You decide what's good for you and good for your relationship and move from there. So I'll be relatively brief, I think. Um, hmm. Should you, I mean, it's up to each couple. Um, I think you're a spot on SNM. I'm probably the same as your as you in the sense that like I do sparingly, maybe every now and then I might post it for like on vacation or if you, you literally it's funny because like my timeline is really all the BLC pod stuff now these days, right? Like I might post one or two pictures of my son. You'd have to scroll a lot to probably see pictures of my wife or whatnot. Um, but that's partially because it depends on your purpose for social media. Like my page for a very long time, I've been doing like TV shows or like my own production or whatever. So my Nick Nice page was really about that. I grew up at a time where celebrities were married, but you didn't know about it. Why? Because the whole mystery, the mystique of it all, LL Cool J, Ja Rule, you name them. A lot of these guys were already married for a very, very long time, but they weren't out here promoting their marriage because they were creating a fairy tale for some of their fans, right? So when I first started doing media, my thought was this wasn't about who I really am as a person, right? Meaning like my family and stuff like that. This is more about the persona that I'm trying to promote. You dig what I'm saying? Um, I hate to break it to people, but Nick Nice is not the name on my birth certificate. You dig what I'm saying? But it is a part of me that I choose to highlight um, for public consumption. But when it comes to things that I hold near and dear, I'm going to protect them at all costs. Like what's the purpose of me posting pictures of my wife on social media? Exactly. 
right? Maybe it's to give you a little glimpse into my life, but if I'm constantly posting, why would I be doing that? You have to ask yourself because I think people seek validation by doing shit like that, right? They want people to like on their shit or comment on their shit, right? The relationship itself is not validating enough. They need external validation from others about, oh, how beautiful my wife is and how beautiful my son is and all these different things, right? So I think that's why people do it. They have to ask themselves, what's the motivation? The other question you have to ask yourself is what's the the downside, right? Because if you are a public person, you guys were talking about celebrity pressures, right? So if you were like, for example, Denzel Washington, right? We know he's married to Paula. Been married to Paula for a long time. He's not all social crazy. I mean, obviously there's an age difference or whatever, but there's a big difference between how they run their shit and how Will and Jada run their shit, right? To a certain extent, we can see how people's need to post about their significant other can bring unwanted energy or attention. You dig what I'm saying? Like, so I just kind of feel like this is one of those other scenarios where the person who is doing X has to understand the why of doing X, has to be aware of the risk of doing X. But to me, my relationship is way more important than a little bit of validation from a few likes. I'm sorry. That's just not going to do it for me. Um, I also think like when you're aspiring to be a public figure, to y'all guys' point earlier, I'm going to do everything I can to protect my wife from unnecessary attention. She did not sign up for this, right? I did, right? So I have to, on my part, do as much as I can to protect her at the end of the day. You dig what I'm saying? So me personally, I do a lot of posting. I feel like there are some people who do, but some of the people who OD with the post and are seeking validation probably in the wrong places. Um, And the last thing I'll say is what I find hilarious sometimes is when people get into new relationships and they will post pictures and pictures and pictures. Oh my God, my boo. Oh my God, it's love for love. Oh, 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 oh. I mean, it is OD. Then they break up. Five hours later. scrub their entire page. It's like, what happens? And I, and I try to tell them, it's almost like, you know how when people get pregnant, you don't tell people that you're pregnant immediately. You want to get past, I think it's like three months or a threshold period because the likelihood of the baby surviving and being okay after three months is much higher, significantly much higher. So that's why most people don't tell you that they're pregnant until about three months in. I wish that people would treat relationships like that. If you are a person who is needing to post your shit and how much I love each other and all the shit that y'all doing, at least get past some threshold so that you don't have to sit there a couple of weeks later and and scrub your entire page like it never happened. And maybe, last thing, and maybe, just maybe, it's okay to keep the pictures up. Yeah, I know that sounds crazy, right? But it did happen. You guys are talking about how people are constantly trying to delete their past and their history. Yeah. You love this nigga at one point in time. <laughs> it's okay to leave it up. You know, <laughs> if I'm the new nigga, I want to know how much you love the old nigga too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, girl, you posted this nigga 10 times. I only got two posts. You know what I'm saying? Like, you learned her lesson. That's why you only got two posts. I was, about to ask, I was about to ask, did she learn her lesson or did she not love me the same? Then right inquiring minds want to know. I'm just saying, y'all protect your relationship, protect your peace of mind at all costs. That's all I got on it, man. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's an interesting topic because uh, I have I live in a I have a blended family uh, now, and uh, our house is so crazy, uh, just with the characters in it. Everybody's so different. They say the craziest things. It's funny. I often sit there. I'm like, I should just put some cameras up, and I make bank. You know what I'm saying? It's my reality TV. I wouldn't have to edit nothing. I wouldn't edit anyway. For what? Um, but when you when you are posting on social media, you are opening up a window into your world to be 
judge or scrutinize however the person on the other side of the window sees fit in context, out of context, right? I think the problem is we have we've somehow been fooled into thinking that if you didn't post it, it didn't happen, right? And so now we feel like our relationships aren't happening unless we post it and the whole world knows about it. When it used to be just the people you were closest to needed to know when somebody significant had entered your life, right? And you took them around to meet those people. And that's what that was. Th- this thing now that it's not a real relationship until I post you or I change my relationship status is, 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 it's a, it's a grab for validation in a place where we should not be putting the points for validation. We should individually, personally validate whether or not the relationship that we're in is rewarding for us. And then we should have the people around us who've been with us on this journey through life for a while, who know us, right? The old us, the new us, the new that the us that is current, constantly evolving. Those people, let them know when someone significant or someone who's coming into your life has reached a point of significance to the point where now you guys are ready to say, we're a couple weird things. This is what we're doing. I always thought it was a kiss to death. It seemed like as soon as I posted how great somebody was doing, they go and mess up. And now I'm like, man. I got to go change my status and talk about what, how bull you are and whatever, whatever. <laughs> uh, I say it jokingly, but that's how I feel. The last thing is, I, I don't know if you guys have seen people pull, sometimes there's a post on Facebook of people like, you know, I want everybody to just stay out of my business and mind your business. And someone I saw responded to that and they were like, listen, you've been posting all your business for the past, we on season eight. You can't cut us off now. You know what I mean? We invested. How this turn out? You know what I'm saying? How you just go and cut the season off and don't tell me how stuff wraps up? So um, if you want to open up your life, then open up your life. I think there's a great capacity for us to learn more about each other, to become more compassionate, to be to become better connected as we understand each other better. But that's only going to work if we are observing from a place of uh, that is not primarily from a place of judgment. If we're observing to understand as opposed to observing to label. And if we are posting and projecting a truth instead of a fiction, you know what I mean? And so uh, unless both things are happening on both sides, you're going to get some really weird things that come out of social media as we have been getting. Uh, I, I, I agree with you guys. It's up to each couple to say when they're ready to make that announcement about them being a couple or what their status is and how much they will post. Um, my wife's in the background. Uh, you know, I didn't put her on camera. I mean, at some point, um, when I went to dinner, that that post Nick was talking about a few shows back with me and the ladies uh, out to dinner, I just posted their backsides. That's what I was looking at on the walk out. It was a great view. Uh, but I didn't post who they were. You know what I mean? Uh, so you you can share your life without sharing all of it. I'm just asking that you keep it factual, you keep it valid, you understand that there is going to be some pushback, and you understand that people can't comment on what they don't know about. So the more you share, the more you open yourself up to commentary and whatever pressures there are from that. So uh, be wise about it, be strategic about it, never be in a rush for it. Just, uh, you know... On your truth to work in it, man. And whatever you do, right, make sure you like, follow, and subscribe.
Black Lives Matter. <laughs> yeah. Wait. The word of the day <laughs> is polycule. Polycule. <laughs> Listen, first of all, Jay, that was great on your part to kind of bring us towards the end of the show. That's number one. Number two, also great on your part for the word of the day. Y'all say it with me together. Polycule. 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 Yes. Uh, but listen, y'all, we about to reach the two and a half hour mark. It's been a great show, right? We've talked about so much in this amount of time. This is the longest podcast we've done. I'm not going to elongate it any further. Final thoughts on the today's show before we get up out of here. Starting with the lady. SNL, what are your thoughts on today's show before we get up out of here? Loved it. Like, subscribe, follow, re- rewind. <laughs> Watch, learn the word of the day. Exactly. (laughs) Tell a friend. Available on all platforms. So be sure to check us out. Yes. Like, subscribe, and follow. Jay, any other final words before we get up out of here? Nah, just uh, like, subscribe, and follow Black Lives Chatter and (laughs) uh, S&M Jones and Nick Nice and just Jay while you're at it. Individually and collectively, we're all here for it. You're always going to be entertained and you probably learn something. Nick? Yes. And finally, I just want to say thank you all for hanging in there with me. Your boy was down, but not down for the count. We came together today and made this show happen, man. So thank you guys so much. I love you all. But with that being said, y'all, Black Lives Chatter, we about to get up out of here. Tune in next week, same place, same time. A little outro music, and then we out, show. You know what I mean? So they, we out. Boy, Drizzy Drake, and you are now rocking.